And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. And Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. 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 I think that was the cutest little hello I've ever heard you mutter. That was very cute. Ah, thank you. It makes me want to cuddle you and take care of you. You were cuddling me not that long ago. I was trying. What are we doing? It was uh, all the cuddle times up here in the Bay Area because it was our final streams in our Bay Area home studio where What's Good Games began. And to commemorate that, I did a vlog this week at patreon.com slash what's good games. For just $2 a month, you guys can get in on our memberships. We have all kinds of fantastic tiers that you can look at if you want to support the show more than just listening, which is a fantastic support for us in the first place. So thank you to everybody who is listening or watching at youtube.com slash what's good games. And I thought it was pertinent that I show a little bit about the studio here before we shut it all down. Because at the end of the month, Brittany, We've got a lot of stuff going on at PAX West. That's right, Andrea. We sure do. You see, there's this thing called PAX West in Seattle, Washington, formerly known as PAX Prime, and I'm derailing. All right, so we have some shit going down at PAX West. <laughs> I'm really excited because on Wednesday, 828, the ladies are coming to my neck of the woods for some pre-PAX shenanigans. I remember last year, we also did our streams from here, and that was kind of a clusterfuck, but we made it work because there are some tech issues. There are some cords that I thought we had. That we didn't, but we made it work and Red made it. But we had an amazing field trip to Best Buy. Did we? Do you remember going to Best Buy? I think it was you and Steimer. Yeah. No, Jason was there. Jason went with us. How do I not remember this? I don't know. Maybe you blocked it out. It was too traumatic. But I literally do not remember this at all. After we're done recording tonight, go to your husband and be like, do you remember going to Best Buy when the girls were here last year before PAX? And he'll be like, yeah, totally. (laughs) Cool. I'm getting to be that age. All right. So anyway, our live streams for Patreon are going to be Wednesday, (laughs) August 28th at Mikasa. And then we have our PAX West party Friday, 830. Well, not 830. August 30th. Location TBD. But it will be that day and it will be amazing and awesome. You won't want to miss it. We'll be sad if you do. And then we have our PAX West panel Sunday, September 1st at 7 p.m. If you can't make it, it'll be live streamed, so don't cry. Just it don't will. Cry. Don't we cry. We're very fortunate Dry to your get... eye. <laughs> yes, that, that as well. We're very fortunate to get into the Hydra Theater uh, this year. I can't remember if it's in the Hyatt or where the location is, um, but they have confirmed to us that we are in one of the live streaming rooms, which is super exciting for not just us, because it means we have a video that we get to keep. Oh, my God. These panels is <laughs> somehow uh, a very it's been difficult cursed. for us. But it means that people around the world can tune in and watch the panel live, which is super cool. And it should be really fun. 
Yeah. And we have other stuff happening at PAX that we can't quite talk about yet. And hopefully we'll have details on the What's Good Games meetup very soon because I am so close to finalizing them. Um, but definitely earmark Friday night. It's going to be a party you don't want to miss. It's going to be tons of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you very much for those announcements, Brittany. And Brittany, as a reminder, if you are one of our patrons and you missed the streams last week when not only the after hour stream where we finished until dawn, but also the happy hour Q&A, you can catch those archives of the streams at patreon.com slash what's good games. And you can just scroll back and see the posts and you can click on the link and boom, you can watch it. Like boom, shakalaka. Exactly. Boom shakalaka. Speaking of Patreon, thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Tom Bach, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Tate, Muhammad Muhammad, and David Icolucci. <laughs> I don't know why I said your name so weird, David. 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 <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what happened. Something weird happened. It's there. Andrea Renoy. She you comes were, out from time to time. You were Listen, slightly I kinda- <laughs> possessed by a ghost for like a hot minute. That's fine. Luigi, you were possessed by you Luigi. Oh, no, yes. No, Luigi, get out of me. Oh my God, is Andrea <laughs> Renoy Guigi? <gasps> it's your, it's your version of Guigi. Oh my gosh, you guys, it's all coming. Listen, together. if you stand there in like a little like plas, what what is Guigi made out of plasma? Like uh, the- no, is it ectoplasm? Some ectoplasm. Kind of- ectoplasm. Yes, ectoplasm. ectoplasm. If an ectoplasmatic version of Andrea Renee like morphs out of her body, I quit. What's good games? I'm done. I am hanging up my hat. I'm and I'm staying. This bitch. That seems useful. I don't know. Let's I go mean, rob a bank. This might be a cos. <laughs> this might be a cosplay. I need to contemplate. Um, <laughs> and a big warm welcome and shout out to our brand new patrons. Welcome to our Patreon community: Jack Matheson, Zach Mickle, Mark S. Osborne Jr., Michelle Rufin, Amber Rosa, Zachary Sargent, Cody Duker, Lindsay Sample, Kerr Kanos, Zach Zimmerman, and Orichi News Team. Oh. Thank you so much to you guys for joining in on our fantastic Patreon. Patreon community again patreon.com slash what's good games to support everything we do here but i think it's time now for us to maybe talk about some news what do you think ladies yeah i mean sure we could talk about how sweaty it was in san francisco last weekend too if you'd like would no, you prefer to talk okay. about that first no no i just don't think i've ever produced so much never mind that i can't no just <laughs> go 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 <laughs> forget it All right, let's get into the news. But before we do that, I have to tell you that the first segment of the show is brought to you by Gabby. If you're like most of us, you're probably paying too much for car insurance, and there's no easy way to compare quotes from multiple providers without filling out tons of tedious forms and getting bombarded by spam calls. It's a nightmare. So let's talk about our new sponsor, Gabby. Gabby was started when its founder, Hanno, was trying to find the best rate on car insurance when he moved to the U.S. from Germany and couldn't believe how challenging it was. So he created a solution. Gabby.com is a free tool that compares insurance rates across top providers to find you the best rate for your exact coverage, all in less than two minutes. Just go to Gabby.com slash WGG, link your current insurance account, and instantly receive quotes from nearly every major insurance company. You guys, I went to Gabby.com and I signed up and it's a super easy interface. All you have to do is follow the prompts and bam, 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 click, click, click. You've got the quotes there right in front of you. 
Gabby users save over $800 per year on average. And if they can't find you savings, they'll let you know so you can relax knowing you have the best rate out there. And unlike other insurance comparison sites, Gabby will never sell your info. So no annoying spam or robocalls. Get a better insurance. G-A-B-I. Gabby. That's right. You got to go to Gabby.com slash W-G-G and you can start saving money with no fees, no forms, and no spam. Take two minutes to see if you can save up to $865. It's two minutes. What do you got to lose? I mean, two minutes is not that long. That's what she said. Go to Gabby.com slash WGG. Now that's G-A-B-I dot com slash WGG. So our friend Brittany's still laughing. <laughs> that was a good one. I made it funny. Yeah. Our first story today is all about Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Killstreaks have returned in Call of Duty Modern Warfare, but one is proving controversial. So this story comes from GameSpot, and it's written up by Oscar Deas. And before I get into this story... I want to make a note that there was a preview event for Call of Duty Modern Warfare's multiplayer that happened in Los Angeles this week. And unfortunately, we weren't able to attend, but I did get a chance, did get a chance to play some of the multiplayer modes at my Judges Week session. So while I don't have full hands-on impressions because that embargo went live on Thursday, and obviously today is Friday if you're listening to the show when we first publish it, um, we hopefully will be able to get hands-on with the game a little bit closer to launch. Uh, if not, we might just have to wait all the way to launch. So I'll talk about that once we get to the next segment of the show, but just so you're aware. Now back to the story from GameSpot. Call of Duty Modern Warfare will bring back killstreak rewards in multiplayer. Publisher Activision has confirmed just ahead of the game's full multiplayer reveal. However, one of the killstreak options has caused some controversy. The three killstreak rewards announced so far are a juggernaut care package an armored assault vehicle, and the chemical weapon White Phosphorus. And it's that last one that has proven contentious. All three have been set in some form or another in the past Call of Duty titles. Juggernauts were used extensively in Modern Warfare subseries, as were light armored vehicles. White Phosphorus was previously used as a tactical grenade in the Black Ops series, where it caused, quote, a small amount of damage on detonation, end quote. But the framing of the weapon as a, quote, reward this time around paints it in a somewhat different light. GameSpot has contacted Activision for comment. In real life, the use of white phosphorus, also known as Willy Pete, against civilians and in civilian areas contravenes the Geneva Convention, thereby classing it as a war crime. Submodern warfare multiplayer maps take place in civilian areas, albeit without civilian characters present. Modern Warfare developer Infinity Ward told GameSpot recently that it doesn't want to shy away from hard-hitting issues in the upcoming shooter. They also told the same thing to me. Today, modern warfare means that the war isn't just over, said the studio's narrative director, Taylor Kurosaki. The war is everywhere. It's in our own backyard. It's in places that can suddenly become a battlefield at a moment's notice. It's about enemies who don't wear uniforms. It's about civilian collateral damage kind of being, unfortunately, part of the equation. Later in the same interview, Kurosaki said that the game will punish you for making mistakes on the battlefield. Quote, If you were a soldier and you actually deployed into a theater of war and you shot down a bunch of innocent civilians, you would be arrested and court-martialed. The game kind of does the same thing. The game does not allow you to get away with going rogue. You have a command structure that you have to follow and orders that you have to follow, and if you try to be a bad apple, the game is going to smack you down for that. End quote. However... Kurosaki was talking about the game's single-player campaign, which also depicts 
depicts child soldiers, among other serious topics. It's unclear if the multiplayer mode will treat the use of white phosphorus as harshly as it sounds, as if the story mode will treat mistakes. It's that it's this that the root of some of the latest controversy. So I, I think I missed a couple words there, but you guys know what I mean. It's this that is the root. Correct. Thank you. See. So. Yeah. yeah. I. Uh, go ahead, Brittany. No, no, no. Because I, I think I was going to I was actually going to pitch to you because I wanted to hear how you felt, because the last time you talked about this game, you were moved and impacted. I think in a way you weren't quite expecting seeing what you mm-hmm. saw from the footage. So I was actually going to ask you to talk about that a little bit again and then how this plays into that for you. Sure. So one of the things that I spoke about after seeing this at Judges Week was that grittiness, that realism that ripped from the headlines feeling that left me very emotionally conflicted. And that's something that I discussed on the show with you two about Call of Duty and being a war game and where is the line between this is the game, it's supposed to be fun, it's supposed to be fantasy, and we're trying to tell a realistic war story. And I felt conflicted from Call of Duty because Call of Duty hasn't really historically been a war story narrative. It's been a fantasy first-person shooter set in war as its theme, and clearly they've drawn from several real-world wars in many of the games throughout the franchise's history, but it's always been a fantasy element, right? It's always felt larger than life. It's never felt like they were really trying to address the true horrors of what war actually is, right? And I think that's where they're really butting up against that line. And I think Call of Duty Modern Warfare, I believe it was 2007, I have to double check when that game actually came out, felt at the same time kind of ripped from the headlines in the same way that we are today. You know, if you think about all of the violence that happens on the nightly news, whether it be, you know, in Afghanistan or in Iraq or in, you know, other countries around the world, or whether it's just right here in America, whether it's, you know, like a civilian shooting or a mass shooting that happens at a festival, which happened very sadly here in the Bay Area last weekend, you know, it's really hard to justify making light of something so serious where people have lost their lives. On the other hand, I also understand the argument of this is just a game. It's just fantasy. Why are we making issue with just the white phosphorus and not literally every other kill streak that's in the game and all of the other gun violence and other types of violence that are present in the game? And I think that there's merit to both sides of the argument, which is the tough part. Yeah, I'm torn. Um, On one hand, you know, I haven't seen, obviously, war firsthand. I haven't seen even a mass shooting firsthand. I haven't seen white phosphorus firsthand. So I think I... I hope you never do. And I hope I never do as well. Super dead, otherwise. (laughs) Super dead. So, uh, you know, on that hand, I don't have... I guess it's the the empathy or, or whatnot to really speak on how emotionally impactful having these things in a game could make someone feel to experience it. What I feel, you know, as someone who loves video games and appreciates it as an art medium, is I want games to push the boundaries. I want them to talk about hard-hitting topics, you know, in a way that I feel like film and television can, and it's, you know, accepted. I know there's, you know, it's kind of that, well, you're actually controlling the character versus you're watching something, and is there that level of immersion, and how does that impact your brain? I I know that's, that's what a lot of people like to go to, but I, I would... 
No, but here's the thing is it has to be done tastefully, right? If, if you want to depict this nitty gritty war and how gruesome it can be, you know, you can't do the messaging of white phosphorus. The messaging of this, I feel like needs to be tasteful and done in line. Not like, oh, this is a cool bonus. You know, what's it called? A, a game kill streak. streak. Thank you. Kill streak. Yeah, it's so cool. And it's like, well, I guess that's when it can get a little ticky tacky depending on who you are and what your views are. But I think, you know, I am, I don't know if excited is the right word, but I'm anxious or it may be excited to see what this modern warfare iteration does because I want to see games push those boundaries. And as long as it's like it said, it's done in a taste, tasteful as it can be, and there is enough respect as to what this is actually trying to depict, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, uh, I think Mr. Negative on Twitter. He, uh, Marine, and he was talking about, he had a really good thread up there. I don't know if he still has it on his Twitter account, but he was talking about his experiences and how, and this is something I can't speak to, how, you know, the team is saying, you know, we want to try to pick the nitty gritty, gruesome war reality. And he's like, don't do that. Like, Mr. Nagel was like, you can't do that. That's, to him, it was something that I think was offensive and you have no right to talk about that. Whereas, like, I see what they're saying here. They wanted to depict war realistically, and then I don't really give it much of a second thought. So again, I think it just kind of comes down to your viewpoint and what you've experienced and not experienced. And I'm going to see if I can find that thread. And so the person that Brittany is talking at is at Mr. Negative. Negative, not negative. Sorry, dude. Oh, no. <laughs> On Twitter. Um, and he's a, a friend of the show. And yeah. he, he's he's a wonderful person. He was hanging out with us at PAX East uh, when we were playing D&D and stopped by a couple of times. He's great. He did. Um, he's a former U.S. Marine, and he did put up a big post about this. And he's not the first, mm-hmm. um, you know, former armed forces member that has reached out to us about this issue. And thank you to everybody who has taken the time because I think it provides context. And I think it's important to, to remember that people have put their lives on the line and have lost their lives in conflicts around the world, not just representing the United States, but representing, you know, many countries around the world. And it's something that I think shouldn't be taken lightly. And I think that was the biggest thing that struck me after playing the multiplayer of Call of Duty Modern Warfare in this iteration was that I didn't th- I thought that there was going to be this weird disparity between the clear care that they're taking narratively with the single player campaign and the level of detail that I saw them put in and how much they are really trying to embrace the the controversy or controversy the controversial nature is what I meant to say of this type of campaign. And I, the first thing I thought of when I went to go play the multiplayer was, this doesn't feel right. I appreciate and I think it's actually good for a developer with the clout of Infinity War to tackle something like modern warfare and what it means being in um, you know, a foreign country where there are freedom fighters or whether it means that there's you know, somebody on home soil that is doing a terrorist attack, you know, in a mall, in a movie theater, things that we've seen literally ripped from the headlines here in the United States, um, you know, in several countries around the world. It's like, I think that there's space for that conversation to happen. I don't know if Call of Duty is the franchise to do it. While I respect and absolutely admire the work that I've seen so far from Infinity Ward, when they showed me the multiplayer, I was like, oh, but it just... It feels wrong, man. It just doesn't feel right. And like, was I think it just the phosphorus, or was it? 
No, more than no, that. no. Okay. It wasn't. And so that's the thing that I am kind of like a little bit eye rolly about right now is like, listen, if you're going to take, take issue with the white phosphorus specifically, I don't really understand that as an argument. There's a lot to take issue with overall in what I've seen in Call of Duty's multiplayer. That said, and I'm going to speak to this later, it's really well designed as to be expected from Call of Duty's multiplayer. And that in therein lies the problem is that if it was badly done, I think I could just be like, ah, just, you know, don't do the multiplayer, just play the campaign. But like, they really executed the multiplayer in a very fantastic way. And it's incredibly fun to play. And it's photorealistic in a way that makes me uncomfortable. And I think the fact that I'm uncomfortable and that I feel something means that they are doing their job with what they're trying to accomplish. How I feel about that, though, I'm conflicted about. I mean, I imagine that's really hard for a dev team to try and balance, especially if you have two major portions of your game sort of at odds with each other. If you're trying to tell the story that you would hope honors what actually happens in war, but not to not to make a show of it, right? Like, not to try mm-hmm. and say that it's good or entertaining in any way, but, like, this is some real shit that happens and maybe open your eyes. Like, that kind of a thing, sure. But then on the other hand, multiplayer is what Call of Duty is. It's what it always has been. Um, regardless of the amount of campaigns, and again, the only ones I've ever even really finished have been Modern Warfare ones. I didn't even finish... Did I finish two? Actually, I think I did finish Modern mm-hmm. Warfare 2. Um, and... Those ones definitely have moments that stuck with me and partly because they were controversial. Uh, but I never really dabbled in multiplayer and it's it's got to be a hard thing to be like, okay, but then we have this other mode where we're really trying to just design it and make it as sticky as possible and we're not even kind of thinking about everything that's happening over here in the single player. Like, we just need this to be fun so that people will pay us money for it like and continue to play our game and keep those numbers up so that we continue making these forever and ever and ever. Um, so I definitely see why it would be difficult for them to kind of walk that line and get it right in one spot, maybe, and get it completely wrong in the other. Because they are fundamentally different things. And they serve different purposes. Um, mm-hmm. I think white phosphorus in particular is like prickling people because chemical weapons in general are some of the most controversial and horrifying things out there like it's worse than a tank like a gun will kill you hopefully if they're a good shot instantly they're not a good shot (sighs) um but chemicals are like the gruesome deaths i think that's probably why this one in particular is like making people really really uncomfortable because when you give it as a a reward like this it's just sort of fucked up it's gross (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Um, I remember. Um, but like, I also see what they, it's like one of those things where I'm like, I kind of understand sort of what you were going for, but also like, maybe you don't, maybe don't. Yeah. Maybe just change it. Something else. Yeah, I don't no, think it needs it. No, I think it's good that you brought that up. And I saw some people chatting about this uh, on Twitter and somebody kind of clapped back and said, are you trying to tell me that you're okay with drone strikes? Do you know how many innocent people have been killed from drone strikes, particularly in the last couple of years, particularly from countries like the United States? And are we just going to gloss over that drone strikes are one of the most common 
killstreak rewards that you can get in Call of Duty? Are we just not talking about that? I was like, that's a fair point. I think if we're going to like start to criticize the validity or the violence then you have to look at it all and just singling out one specific reward and not talking about its context in the broader scape um, to me is just like you just choosing to be mad about one specific thing and not, and not really digging into the root of the issue. But I think that you're either going to play call of duty and have fun playing it. And this is just going to be pure fantasy for you and go, this is a real life. This is fake a video game it's clearly fantasy it's clearly fake nobody's dying nobody's trying to kill anybody or you're gonna you're gonna say this isn't for me and i think that there's all kinds of media out there and call of duty isn't the first and certainly won't be the last (laughs) to incite this kind of reaction yeah oh i i imagine there'll be worse stuff than this that comes out once you get a little bit better idea of the single player campaign like i imagine there's going to be more of these stories given just what you've told me alone, Andrea, of what they say they're trying to do with it. And given that Modern Warfare 2 just had, like, that horrific airport scene, like, no, actually, I yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, imagine they're just going to double down on those things. And it is going, like you just said, it's going to be kind of one of those, like, either that completely takes you out of it and you go, no, thank you. I don't want this anymore. Um, or it might be too triggering for you if you do have those experiences. Or you are just going to be like, video game like i have the ability to like super remove myself from this and just like zone out yeah i think we know how this is gonna go right the game's gonna launch there's gonna be controversial scenes it's gonna cause a hubbub and a stink kind of like the no russian scene did and like we're still talking about it how many years later right and then it'll kind of blow over and then there'll be something else but people might always come back to it i feel like call of duty is consistently pushing those boundaries unlike you know like those stupid steam games where it's like sex simulator it's like no that's creepy take that off i feel like call of duty pushes the industry in a way that i think can be healthy for it obviously if done correctly i mean but going back to the white phosphorus i think of spec ops the line did you ladies ever play that Yes, no. I did. It's a great example. Yeah, and the white phosphorus moment in that game was super unsettling, and that game came out 10, 2000, I wrote it down over here, 2012. 2012 yeah, 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 2012. Um, and that was super impactful, and, you know, if you want to watch, you can find YouTube clips of it all over the place. Um, I just watched it, watched it to refresh my memory, and even watching it now, it, it's, after I watched it, I was like, damn that's deep that's heavy and that was super emotional when that scene happened yeah i can only playing through that scene and it unsettled me so much it colored my opinion of the entire game i hated that scene so much i mean that game had a host of other actual gameplay problems yeah but um that scene and that choice like a lot of people praised the game for some of the bold choices that they made and i mean you know, I think that they did take a lot of risks. I don't think that they nailed it. And right now, like, Infinity Ward has to nail it because all eyes are on them to make sure that they keep continuing the Call of Duty legacy. Yeah. No pressure, guys. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. No, you know, yeah, it's it's deep shit. And like you said, I think it's good that we step back and realize that we're even having this discussion that you said. Like you said, Andrew, if we're feeling something, I think it means a lot for the industry and how the industry really is pushing forward and the technical capabilities that it has, you know, that photorealism, the voice acting, the mocap, like all of that can really make us feel like it's a much more real experience. And I think that's pretty nifty in its own way. Indeed. 
And because Brittany is so thoughtful, she put in a palate cleansing story. Brittany, would you like to read the next story before, before we get would. to another serious story? I thought we might need this. All right. So Garfield Kart Furious Racing is purring onto PC this November. This comes from PC Gamer. When he's not slurping lasagna and delivering caustic bon mot. What's that? Bon mot. Wait. Wait. Bon. Hold on. Bon. When he's not slurping bon mots. I don't What's know that? what bon mots are. Bon Google knows. Go bon mot. Garfield is a kart racer, or at least that must be the case because Garfield Kart Furious Racing is a new karting game set to release for PC this November. Not only that, it's the sequel to Garfield Karting to a Garfield Karting game that released back in 2013. That was hard. It may seem weird that there's a Garfield Karting game, and it may seem weirder still that there's going to be another one. But remember, it was only last month that people were weirdly salivating over a Crash Bandicoot kart racing game, and Sonic recently got another one too. There's a Nickelodeon kart racer, a Cars kart racer, a Muppets kart racer. There's Must a Muppets kart racer? Apparently wow. there is, Christine Steimer. If you've got a mascot or an iconic creature, you can make a kart racer for it. It's as simple as that. Garfield Kart Furious Racing will feature 16 tracks, and it'll support up to eight players online or four locally. The game modes range from Grand Prix, Single Race, and Time Trial, and there are eight iconic, in quotes, characters to choose from. Uh, Garfield. Ouch. Oh, I know, right? Garfield, Odie, John, Normal, Arlene, Liz, Harry, and Squeak. Each character in Kart has its own characteristics and unique driving style, so there will be consequences for your selections. The game releases November 7th on Steam. So, ah, yes, the platform I would like to play a kart racer on. <laughs> so, uh, a, a Bon Mot is actually called Bon Mo, and oh. it's a witty remark. Synonyms are witticism, quips, puns, pleasantries, jest, joke, and a sally. I a didn't sally. know sally was also and a, a witty sally? remark. And a sally? Oh, that's, that's interesting. So, sally. So if you want some good old entertainment, I encourage you to go to Steam and go to Garfield Kart's page and read the comments. Because this game is very positive with over well, about 4,000 ratings. Would you say ratings. it's positive? Oh, girl, I sure oh, as hell would. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the comment section is really funny, and it's just kind of one of those Steam pages that... I mean, I've, I haven't really heard anything bad about this, and I love Garfield. Garfield was my jam growing up. My whole bedroom was dedicated to Garfield. I had a Garfield Shit, clock. Shit, really? Oh, yeah. I had Garfield plushies. I had Garfield clocks. I had Garfield posters. I had all the Garfield comic books. I mean, I, your girl was obsessed with the fat orange cat. Uh, did I show cute. you the senior photo I took with a gigantic Garfield? No. So when I was 15, I went to the Red River Valley Fair in Fargo, North Dakota, and I got this guy to win me a prize from one of the carnival games. Don't know who he was, some random guy. But I was like, you know, flexing <laughs> oh my, my sexuality as a 15-year-old to be like, will you win me something? Um, and so I got this giant Garfield. And when I say giant, I mean like he was almost as tall as me. He's like a oh my four God. foot plushy Garfield, like giant. Oh. So big that I, in order to transport him, I'd have to put him into a seat. Like his own seat in the car, like a purse. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelt, Garfield. That's amazing. And, and for some reason, I decided to take one of my senior photos in high school with this Garfield. That's a choice. Um, <laughs> and I don't know how John found it, but he posted it on Facebook like a couple years back. And I was like, <gasps> what? You asshole. That should die in a fire. I hate that photo. Oh, my God. I uh, but I love it. that photo when I was a kid. So I'll dig it up and I'll I'll send it to you. I would, yeah, I would love to see that. And fun fact, going on Garfield's playtime ladder for Steam, there is one person who has 20,000 hours into this game. Whoa. What? Yeah. 
So the top five people, these are the amount of playtime and hours that they have. 20,573, 16,671, 13,381, 10,159, and then 10,000. Exactly. So people love them some Garfield Kart Racing. 20,000 hours. In Garfield Kart. Is an average, if they only played for one year. Mm-hmm. No, that can't be. It'd be 54. It'd be 54 hours. There's not that many hours in a day. No, this released in 2013. The old one. So it's been seven years. Yeah, right? so each so year has... by seven, divided by 365. That means they're averaging seven hours a day? Oh, Garfield? How is that possible? Over seven years? That's amazing. That can't be a, that can't be a real number. That's got to be No, fake. come on. That's got to be like somebody's account that's like in like a like a classroom Listen. or like a bar or it's just like open all day but like they're not need, actually playing it they have you a need bot to that's playing for them <laughs> yeah. i don't know believe you to believe i need you to believe <gasps> i can't not think of possible. doing anything seven hours a day besides sleeping <laughs> or working <laughs> or working yeah that was less sexy well, I mean, than i was work, thinking working yeah but you're not doing the same activity when you're working Oh you know, like you've got email, you've got Excel documents, you've got to go to the mailbox, and then you, you know you deliver. Got to play some a- Garfield Kart Racer. <laughs> Apparently, oh my goodness! Well, thank you, Brittany, for educating us today about. I got you. The wonderful world of Garfield Kart Racing. Why I'm here? Oh uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now it's time to move on to a more serious story. Steimer, do you want to read this one? <laughs> sure. Why not? This, I believe, is, yeah. Oh, it's Polygon. I was going to say Kotaku. Not not correct. This is Polygon. We are, going to, we are going to reference the Kotaku story because I talked about it on Twitter. So we'll ah, talk cool, about cool, it. cool. Wolfenstein, Youngblood's microtransaction mess explained. The microtransactions offered in Bethesda Softworks, Wolfenstein, Youngblood, are proving to be controversial with some fans. Go figure. That is my own commentary. Much of the anger seems to come from the fact that it has been hard to figure out what items can be purchased with premium currency, bought with real money, and which can only be purchased using in-game currency picked up during normal play. Matt Frary, director of PR at Bethesda Softworks, even tweeted this message earlier today. Quote, The answer to that question is no. Not everyone understands that you can't buy boosters in Youngblood. And their confusion isn't their fault at all. I know this because I was there on the game's first day of release trying to desperately figure out what the heck was going on. That's not a really great message for you as a pr person what is there a follow-up good god oh, i i apologize so oh, okay. that's not the tweet from oh Matt Frary. okay i was like the that's... tweet yeah so let me <laughs> i was like that's... Matt... okay uh, so it was an image in the it was an oh, image oh, in the oh. story and it didn't copy and paste correctly so got let it, me go it, back it. to matt's okay. tweet so I was like, that's Matt... very transparent for a director of pr yeah thing. i was like this doesn't seem like something a pr person would say unless they wanted to no. be fired immediately so matt frary who is the director of pr at bethesda and is a, a lovely wonderful person yes yes um indeed tweeted does everyone understand you can't buy boosters in young blood question mark i keep seeing it pop up and based off the replies to that tweet it is not clear that people don't understand that you can't buy boosters in young blood so continue okay okay sorry so that was not a quote from him andrea's was the quote from him yes i am part of the story by ben kuchera <laughs> Okay. Yes. So wait, what can you buy? Uh, ben says he was working on a guide that explained exactly what you could or couldn't buy with premium currency on Friday, July 26th, and the task proved harder than anticipated. 
Steam, the Steam listing for gold bars, Youngblood's premium currency, stated you could use them to buy consumables and other items that could give you an advantage in the game. Here's the original listing from that morning. Quote, contains gold bars, an in-game currency used to acquire new power armor and weapon skins, gear, peps, yep, pep signals, and consumables to help you and your friends through battle, wait, battle through Nazi-occupied Paris. But when I looked at the boosters in the game's menus, I noticed they could only be purchased with the in-game currency, which is silver, not gold bars. So the official listing for the premium currency said they could be used to buy boosters, but the PC version of the game contradicted the listing, while the PS4 version of the game not only let you purchase boosters with gold bars, but there were more boosters available to purchase. So at the launch, the PlayStation 4 version of Wolfenstein Youngblood did have an XP booster and a silver coin booster that could be purchased with premium currency as well as in-game currency, and neither of these two boosters existed in the PC version of the game at the time. Contact or he contacted Bethesda to ask what was going on and was told that these differences were meant to have been patched out of the game before launch. <gasps> oh, whoops. Uh, after receiving the email over the weekend, we've done a hard uh, boot of each system and restarted the game to make sure any patches had a chance to be installed and checked to make sure everything matched up with what Bethesda said. The ability to use premium currency to buy boosters was removed. Go ahead and twirl your little mustache end right now. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, the updated Steam listing for gold bars has also been edited to remove any note about consumables. This is how the text looks at the time of publication. Contains gold bars, an in-game currency used to acquire new power armor and weapon skins to help you and your friends battle through Nazi-occupied Paris. They don't I would argue, I was about to say, you, they should have changed the word help because... Yeah. Help you, help, look, you look help you look stylish yeah, there you while go. you're battling, but otherwise yeah. doesn't really help you. Um, so the extra boosters are no longer available on the PS4 version of the game, and premium currency now seems to be limited in use to cosmetic items. This seems to be the way it was always intended, although it's possible that the conversation about what to include and how to sell each item continued right until the launch date of the game, or final decisions weren't patched into the shipping game quickly enough to keep the boosters from being sold for premium currency at launch. There was even some confusion in interviews before the game's launch about microtransaction plans. Wow. Uh, the guide on Polygon's been updated and is it now accurate, but uh, woof. That's woof. me. Indeed. So I didn't realize all of this was happening. All I saw was your tweet about like people being mad. And then I read through that article and it was just basically saying this can only be used for cosmetic items. And I was like, okay, everyone needs to settle down. I can see why people were a little myth because that is some confusing shit because when the yes. game launched you could use it to purchase ammo right ammo armor and health boosters with gold that's what they're talking about and they said the boosters were xp and silver coin booster yeah yeah yes. so here's the thing i tweeted an article from kotaku written by joshua rivera that says, Wolfenstein Youngblood's microtransactions aren't even worth getting mad at. Now, I'm not going to read his entire article. You can go to my Twitter account if you really want to find it. Or, more importantly, go to kotaku.com and find the article there, because they are the people who published it. Um, and in the article, Joshua talks about the controversy around the level design. And, more importantly, he mentions about the harassment levied at lead level designer... Uh, Mitchka Roskarik, who is from the Machine Games team and worked on uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood. And first and foremost, I'm going to echo exactly what Joshua said in his article. It says, regardless, it is never appropriate 
to harass developers for something that you might not like about a game. No matter how legitimate your grievance may seem, there are all manner of internet forums and comment sections for voicing your opinion respectfully. And if you don't want to buy a game that implements your any microtransactions, no matter how unobtrusive, there's a valid course of action too. Sometimes these things turn out okay and other times they do not. So I just want to also echo a third time. Don't harass people on the internet because they've made something that you don't like, especially when it's 100% optional to your life. If you look at a game and you're like, I don't like this thing, don't buy it. Yep. Yeah, I feel like reasonable people don't do that shit, but it's the unreasonable fucks that don't listen to this show because we only have nothing but nice, lovely, respectful people listen to this show, right? Yeah. Right, you you out there listening the, to this? For the most part. For the I, most part. You know, we're all human. We, we mess up from time to time. But the fact that they went after a level designer for microtransactions just goes to show you how stupid and dumb and just like how trolly and dickish these people wanted to be. They just wanted someone to be mad at. They usually, it, it's easy. Tar- anybody who has ever basically put themselves out there on Twitter as a target like for these people and it just Mm -hmm. also goes to show not not just like that they're dumb but also like you don't understand how game design works or how any game dev works because the level designer had jack shit to do with this like homeboy Mm -hmm. was just coming in making some cool levels going home maybe to his family i don't know if he has one but like he was just living his fucking life (laughs) and then yeah the internet hate mob decided to like again i've called it the eye of sauron and i stand by it it, it is, just goes yeah. chunk and it fixates and then it chunks on somebody else and then fixates and destroys and then like goes around. But I think I would be willing to bet and maybe this is I just need more faith in humanity that a lot of those people knew that level design has nothing to do with microtransactions that it's just kind of that mob of like we're going to find someone in ISOR and get our message across. Right. And I don't uh, think so. I think you, people you are think so? truly dumber than you think they are, Brittany. See, here's case in point. I would like to read some of the quotes from Andrea's Twitter. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, would, I, would end, I went in there today and I was like, good God, who are all you people? Because like, it just like goes to show that they don't, uh, it's more just not understanding. So somebody on here, I'm not going to name names. You'll know who you are if you are a listener of the show. You can go to my thread and see their names for yourself. You, if you would sure like. can. Um, and it's basically like, Oh, what would they be trying to accomplish here? And you said, you missed the point if you think the game focuses on microtransactions. And he says, it doesn't. But it doesn't create meaningful gameplay either, though. No shit. Just just stop yeah. there for a second. Yeah. Let's, let's recognize that he acknowledges that his grievance is unfounded. Correct. By saying the game does not focus on microtransactions, but instead chooses to continue to be mad about something that really is like a, wait, what? Yeah, that that sentence alone is a head scratcher because of course it doesn't create meaningful gameplay. It's a cosmetic microtransaction. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know what you were expecting. Then continues on the ammo economy, AI put in quotes, co-op partner and enemy uh, and weak map and mission design suffered. It just and which. OK, actually, you know what? We're going to take that. We're going to take this. So you think that the ammo... Look, these are all valid points. These are all valid criticisms to have of this game. Separate from microtransactions. 
Because I guarantee you, no one working on ammo economy, the AI, or the map design had anything to do with what you're talking about. That's not how those teams function. I'm sorry, but you're wrong. And then it's just like, oh, it just appears as a vehicle to use wolf assets to put a storefront up. Yes. That is what? Yeah. They just (laughs) wanted to sell you some pretty shit. I don't know what and I think only two things can be purchased with the gold bars, right? Like two of the skins, I think I read in that Kotaku article. So it's, it's... It's like super limited and also doesn't matter in the game. You can go through and play. I didn't even know gold bars existed. I've been playing this yeah. game for a few hours. <laughs> like didn't even know that was a possibility for me to pay in this game. So like that is how unobtrusive this is and how optional it is. And like... I don't even know how to buy them. I haven't seen anything about him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's- the reason why I brought this story up, because I think it's important, is one, to just hammer home the idea of don't harass game devs. You don't know their job. You don't know their responsibility. You don't know their role on the team. And two, don't harass anybody. Mm-hmm. Be a good person. If you're going to say something to somebody on the internet, be nice, be kind. Be caring. Also, don't spread misinformation like this young person who I'm actually going to call out in a second here. So someone asks a genuine question. Is this like the Shadow of War where the chess didn't affect gameplay, but in reality, they really did? We all acknowledged. As somebody who played a lot of Shadow of War, like the chess did not affect how boring that game was. The (laughs) game design affect how boring that game was. And I love, I love Lord of the Rings. Snap. That's I true. did. Also, I also it's did not play though. that. I mean, I did not finish. Not even close to finish that game. Uh, but I would argue he's correct in that being able to purchase better orcs is impactful to the gameplay. It's correct. Correct. Yes. Somebody replies, Samuel Vernon. I'm sorry, but shame on you. You are incorrect. Yes, it's exactly like that. Nothing what? has changed. See, and what? that's the bullshit. No, you can't just no. tell lie to people. No, it's not. You can buy like a couple of outfits. How is that the same as buying orcs for your army? It's not. It's, it's not. not. No, it's not. It's, so like, this it's, is what Twitter does, which is why I muted some people and just walked away because I only replied to one person. It was like, because uh, he's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. This affects us because it affects the gameplay balance. And I was like, it doesn't. So therefore, no, you're not affected. He's like, that's your opinion. I was like, that's not an opinion. That's yeah, a fact. I don't, I don't so understand. I him, the <sighs> sure, Jan. Sure. Oh, yeah, that was good. I saw sure that, too. Jan. That popped. I was like, oh, what's Steimer being salty at? And it was good. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, the silver coins and the ammo, it's all plentiful. There's, I, there's, I'm never scrambling for anything. And maybe it's because I'm just such a good first-person shooter player, which I'm not. Spoilers. I'm the fucking worst. <laughs> yeah. And even I'm not struggling with that. And so, yeah, like, t- to cover this part of it, I guess, you know, I think people are just deliberately assholes. These ladies are trying to give you credit. Either way, don't harass people. It's just not good. Don't be a dick. Second, obviously, this was a fuck up. You know, something happened. Like, these should have been patched out. And now it's just this big, like, crazy, confusing story. Because people are still reporting on old info that there are microtransactions. And it's like, no. Well, no, that the it's not that they're microtransactions. Sorry, it's that they're that boosters. The, yeah. The boosters, the ammo, that kind of stuff. And it's like, that's not, no. It's, yeah, it's hard because it it, it just totally like shot themselves in the foot um by not having that stuff patched out not having their messaging cleaned up and everything right before launch um because if this had launched the way it intended i don't think this would be a thing because yeah i think having xp boost i still i still don't care about it because even in assassin's creed like there are boosters um so like i don't care 
I don't know why you would care. This is a single player game. If you want to buy it, you can buy it. If you don't, you don't have to. And I don't really begrudge uh, developers the ability to make more money off of a thing with entirely optional shit. I don't... And I'm glad you brought that up because that was an important part of the Kotaku article that I thought was really um, pertinent is in Joshua's article. He has a paragraph called the clockwork fur over microtransactions ignores the reality of video games in 2019, an industry that is insanely profitable, but equally unsustainable. And he's got a hyperlink there that goes to another feature piece But before I talk about that, the rest of the sentence says, and addicted to the long tail revenue stream that microtransactions provide. Are they a net good? No, but cars still run on gasoline, even as they kill the planet. That's not to suggest that we should be ambivalent about any and all microtransactions, but there are better, more exploitative targets, and it feels counterproductive to single out a game that barely tells you it even has microtransactions. Yes, I would agree with that 100%. Yeah, so that this doesn't mean tw- stop getting your panties in a twist about microtransactions. It's pick and choose your battles, and this ain't one. Right. This is and not so, the one. Yeah. Yeah. So the hyperlink goes to an article from also from Joshua Rivera on Kotaku um, called The Video Game Industry Can't Go On Like This. And I'm not going to uh, delve into it here, but essentially, um, he goes into some pretty incredible depth talking about the way that monetization structures are are baked into video game development today and how the the $60 price point of a game in North America has not changed in 15 years despite that inflation has absolutely gone up the cost of living today versus 15 years ago is barely comparable and not only that but it's more and more expensive because the demands of video games are higher and higher every year because the competition is fierce. And so if you're interested in learning more about that, I do highly recommend you head on over to Kotaku and, and check on his article. Um, and, and to, Sorry, oh, I thought you were done. No, go ahead, go ahead. Um, I thought that that actually brings up an interesting point because there were a few other people I saw talking about things. I can't remember if they were in your feed or somewhere else, but basically like trying to throw out CDP and, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, CD Project Red and... Um, Ninja Theory is like, well, those games didn't need, and like her, the fact, Gorilla with Horizon Zero Dawn. And I was like, okay, well, let's look at the facts. One of those is owned by Sony. They doing okay. Uh, <laughs> they doing okay. <laughs> Ninja Theory just got bought because guess what? Games are expensive to make, and now they have deeper pockets. So that, like, who knows what financial state that studio was in? Clearly, they were in a position where they kind of did need someone to come in and like help them out because if they were like we're rolling in the money over here they would have said no exactly right? um mm-hmm. and then cd project red is in poland guess what cost of living really low in poland really easy when you made as much money as they did to like continually turn a profit off of a few hundred developers who live in a really cheap country like well in the witcher ip like that's gonna sell bucket loads and anything they make after that's gonna sell so yeah it's yeah like they they have a lot of profit okay. and they have low margins and that's yeah. important and if they didn't i guarantee you they would be looking at more microtransactions to help sustain their business and i want to give a shout out to the wolfenstein young blood and bethesda for the buddy pass which i think is pretty neat so the game is 40 well it's there it's Twenty nine ninety nine, but if you get the deluxe pass for thirty nine ninety nine, you get the buddy pass, which means you can invite your friend or whoever 
to play with you and they can play through the whole game with you. And so if you want to split that, you're looking at $20 for this awesome game. I, I mean, we'll talk about it next time. I'm having a lot of fun with it. But it's like, that's a really cool thing that they didn't need to do. And they did it. So, yeah, like, it's, it's job. it was nice of them to be like, hey, we recognize this is a co-op game and asking two people, like the person you're going to play with to pony up the exact amount of money you are kind of sucks, right? That's a shit to be like, I mean, but people do it, right? Like, yeah, uh, play Halo with me, play whatever with me. Guess what? Yeah. You're probably 60 bucks a pop. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so Fuckers. it's just nice of them that, that this is what they did. So that's why it's also sad to be, t- for people to be kind of jumping down their throats for this, which again, they should be in the sense that they fucked up the communications. But at this point, Hopefully, listening to this podcast, you are clear on this on what is real and what is not, <laughs> and you can be like, "Oh, I choose not to be mad about this thing, and instead, <laughs> we'll move on with my life." Yeah, it's, yes, I think like the thing that I walked away with was they clearly made a mistake. You know what? We're all humans. We all Mistakes do happen. They came out and said. It was our mistake. The code was not supposed to include this. We were supposed to have patched it out. All of the versions of the game, the Switch version, the PS4 version, the PC version, all had different levels of these microtransactions, which indicates that they weren't supposed to be there, that they were clearly testing things and decided, we don't like this. Let's get rid of it, which is Mm -hmm. what, what you hope a developer would do is test it out and go like, does this feel right? No, it doesn't. Let's just axe it, which they did. And then the patch didn't work the way that it was expected. But they pivoted very quickly to get rid of this. We're talking a couple of days. It's not like it took them weeks or a month to get rid of this. Like it took them mere days to fix it. But people just wanted to be so incredibly upset about it. Be like, this sets a dangerous precedent. This and this and this. And I was like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say what I've said on the show several times. It must be nice to have a life where your life is so carefree that you can be so upset about something so trivial. And if you can get this upset about this tiny little thing, I hope you can get upset about real injustices that are happening in the world all over the place. And maybe it's a better better use of your energy is to get mad at like the really terrible shit that's actually happening in the world. So if you're one of those people out there that got very angry about these microtransactions... I would implore you to take a step back, analyze your feelings, and maybe think about redirecting that anger to something that actually impacts the life and death of people on this planet. That's all. I I don't think Bethesda was trying to diddle you, which is slang, (laughs) for swindle or con someone. I love that British slang. I love that you're like, here's the icebreaker. We're going to diddle someone. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm here for. (laughs) Yes, thank you for that, Brittany. Um, speaking of which, let's move on, shall we? Yeah. Because this segment has already been quite long. We have a couple more stories to get to before we do talk about your lady's experience playing Wolfenstein Youngblood. Um, another big event happened in esports over the last weekend. You may have heard about it. It's just this little game called Fortnite and mm-hmm. their epic World Cup finals that happened last weekend i know this news probably feels a little bit late because you've probably heard about the kid who won millions of dollars but your gamer rights 
Fortnite, you may have heard, is quite popular. And now another reminder of just how notably popular it is. A peak of over 2.3 million concurrent viewers watched Fortnite's World Cup solo finals, which took place in New York last weekend. It's an achievement that Epic says makes it the most watched competitive gaming event of all time. (laughs) Quote, excluding China. (laughs) (laughs) They are the most populous country on the face of the planet. But the reality is that the final tally of spectators is likely to be much higher. The 2.3 million figure only accounts for people tuning in via Twitch and YouTube, not those watching in-game, which is a substantial figure, or on other social media and streaming services. Those that stayed the course for Sunday's solo finals got to see 16-year-old Kyle Buga Geersdorf secure his place as champion, winning him a hefty $3 million prize and a well-earned moment in the spotlight after seeing off almost 40 million challengers. <laughs> 15-year-old Jaden Wolfies Ashman from Essex won a share of the $1.8 million Having come second place with his teammate, David Rojo Yong, John Yong, I don't know how to say your name, I'm sorry, David, Uh, in the Fortnite Duos final. And Britt, you wrote a note here? Oh yeah, just because we're talking about video games and lots of money, Apex Legends is also holding a preseason invitation of the September in Poland with a price pool of 500000 Granted, that's going to be split among 20 teams, so the top earner will get 105000 and last place will get 4800 Not shabby. Not yeah, a bad not way to make in, a few in thousand dollars. Consequential amount of money. It's interesting that we're talking a little bit about esports. It's no shocker to everybody that Fortnite has more money than God. Um, but <laughs> this is, I think this is really big because for the longest time, there were only two big players in esports when it comes to prize pools. Obviously, there's a lot of there's a lot of games that are milling around in the esports scene, but when it comes to prize pools specifically, there's two people on top. It's League of Legends and it's Dota 2, right? Like they're the they're the two biggest people that dole out the most amount of money as far as games go. And so to have Fortnite come in and say, you know what? We're going to put our dick on the table. <laughs> Let's go. Love it. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how Fortnite evolves. Obviously, the World Cup is like their first big thing. They've done the Pro-Am at E3 last year. They brought the Pro-Am back again for part of the World Cup. But, I mean, I think all eyes are still on the international as the, the top of the top for esports and for tournaments to see, like, is it possible for anybody to topple the international as a tournament? Now, I think it's too early to say if Fortnite's going to be able to do that because I think Dota just has this je ne sais quoi about it that's hard to put a finger on why people love watching Dota so much because I find it very challenging to watch because it's so confusing. Um, Tried. But I do love I do love MOBAs and I think that this just shows that esports is here to stay. There's a lot of money in esports and people are very excited about it and I'm happy for all the competitors that won a bunch of money. Um, and on a side note, I saw that there was also a bunch of competitive magic tournaments happening oh. where people like just for playing in the tournament, they got like $5,000 or something. It was like the minimum prize. Ooh, and like the top guy nice. won, walked away with like tens of thousands and I was like, should I like change my profession here? Should I like, try to become a professional esports player in something? Like, did I screw up by just going into hosting podcasts? I mean, I mean if you stream more, you could maybe get into stuff like Twitch Rivals because that also pays decently. Oh, I didn't think about that. 
Well, and there's also, like, we didn't talk about it. I didn't put it in here, but um, Team Fight Tactics is now, it's here to stay. Hey. Riot was like, yo, we're going to try this cool little thing. You know, Dota's outer chest ain't got nothing on us. We're going to bring Team Fight Tactics in, and now they're here. So they're no longer Riot game. I can't make that joke anymore this time, and I'm mad about it. Technically, it's just a mode in League of Legends. God damn it. So I can still make my joke. <laughs> you can. <laughs> this is the best news ever. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, also, I guess, disclosure, I work there. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is correct. Uh, and that's why we're just making jokes about it. But yes, um, I digress. Esports, y'all. Yeah. But uh, you skipped over a very exciting announcement that I would like to read and it is short. Please do. Obsidian announces the Outer Worlds for Nintendo Switch. That's right. Like so many game, great games before it, the Outer Worlds will have a home on the Nintendo Switch. Obsidian announced it's working with Virtuos, the developer which helped bring the likes of Dark Souls and L.A. Noir to the Switch to assist with the port of the Outer Worlds. doesn't have a set release date just yet, but we do know it will launch uh, at some point after that of the PS4, Xbox One, and PC versions, which will hit October 25th. Soon. Thank so, you for that. I think I skipped over that mentally because I was like, ah, oh, we're going to talk about the Outer Worlds later. But Yeah. Yeah, this is, I mean, I think this is awesome. I Switch would not be my console of choice for the Outer Worlds. I want to play on my nice, big old, powerful consoles. Not that the Switch isn't, you know, lovely and beautiful, but, you know, it has been known to have some frame issues with some... Well, then again, now that I'm thinking about it, from what we've seen in the Outer Worlds, it doesn't look like it's a super graphically intensive game. So maybe... There'll just be a few hiccups in performance, but nothing more. Still, here's the thing. I don't want to wait for this to come to Switch. And oh, I- here's how I view the Switch version. Okay. I'm going to play it on October 25th on a, on a quote unquote big boy platform. Yeah. And then if it when it comes to Switch, that's when you can do like multiple playthroughs of other types of characters. Right. Yeah, then you could be just, like, hey, I'm on vacation and I want to murder everyone. You're like, oh, or you want to like. Be the goody goody and try and do a no kill playthrough or whatever. Like you can just kind of. I feel like if I'm going to get this, it would be my extras, quote unquote, platform. to go through. Yeah, I agree with you. I just know myself, and I don't think I'll replay replay the Outer Worlds. Not because I'm not going to love this game, but because I'm going to want to probably move on to the next thing, or I'll probably want to play a game that's 25 years old. Yes, you know? one of the two. You have two. One of the two, two modes. But this is that awesome. Sounds, this that is, sounds like Brittany. This is cool. I think if there was some sort of cross save feature that would be really yes. cool oh, yeah that'd be dope this is what i was talking about on games daily earlier this yeah. week so i hope against hope against hope pipe dream that obsidian and private division will make a cross save feature i don't need obviously there will be no cross play because it's a single player rpg but like if i can upload my save to like the like like a server, like a private division.com or, you know, obsidian.net mm-hmm. or whatever their website is and say, Hey, I'm going to pull my save data down and play it on the switch version. I will buy two copies of the game. Oh, that'd be I simple. will. And I'm not the only one that will, there will be lots of people that would do this. And I think that's kind of like the hope for what's happening next in the next sec- uh, cycle of consoles and maybe what stadia could potentially offer. But it's all about, the developer and what they want to do and what they're going to provide when it comes to cloud save. So um, I, I'm with you, Steimer, about like having it be like a, a second run, maybe trying different different choices. But 
the real talk is I'm like, Brittany, I'm probably not going to play this game more than once. I'm probably going to have like a really thorough run where I do all the side content that I can and all of that. And then that's about it. So that's totally fair. And to be fair, I'm not sure if I'm going to do that. I'm saying I could see that as a use case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it definitely wouldn't be my primary target. No, so. I want I want the big boys with big the big, boys. big processors, big graphics cards. Yeah. 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 And speaking of the auto worlds, I'm going to mention this later in the show, but we had the opportunity to fly down to Los Angeles, travel, of course, provided by Private Division. to Valet play. parking brought to you by. <laughs> exactly. They also did provide valet parking for Steimer um, to play a build of the outer worlds. And we talk about our hands-on impressions of that in the third segment of the show. It's our feature for this week. And on top of that, we also got to sit down with some team members from Obsidian Entertainment and had a really fun interview with Carrie from the narrative team and Brian from the design team. And we got to ask them a bunch of questions. We have a special podcast episode. Hopefully, if you guys are listening to this, you saw it in your RSS feed because we published it this morning. And uh, we highly encourage you to take a listen. It's only about 30 minutes long, but we got to get some really good nuggets of information from them. And uh, we're definitely grateful and had a great time going down to play The Outer Worlds and... I mean, I'm more excited than ever. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sisty pigs. Sisty yeah. pigs. But yeah. more Those on the other world later. Sisty pigs. For now, why don't we take a short break and then when we come back, we can talk about what we've been playing, including Wolfenstein Youngblood and, of course, which house did you choose? It's Fire Emblem <laughs> time. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. everybody and welcome to the second segment of the what's good games podcast thanks so much for sticking with us and we know the first segment of news was a little bit long today because we had a lot to talk about Mm -hmm. but now we get to talk about what we've been playing and this week it's brought to you by stitch fix describe your look in one word is it casual sophisticated playful However you dress, Stitch Fix has the expert personal stylist that can help you look your best. Because personal style is like a fingerprint. Everyone has their own. Whatever your style, the expert stylist at Stitch Fix are ready to help you express yourself. Because not all clothes are fit for all men or all women. With Stitch Fix, your personal stylist will send you clothing that makes you look your best. Less so one size fits all, more this fits your style. Because Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that delivers your favorite clothing brands right to your door. To get started, head to stitchfix.com slash what's good Answer some questions about your preferred styles, and your personal shopper will ship you a box of clothes, shoes, and accessories. And there's no commitment required. You only pay for what you keep. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. Plus, that $20 styling fee is automatically applied towards anything you keep from your box, and you'll never have to think about looking good again with Stitch Fix. We were just talking about how much we love Stitch Fix because last weekend when the girls were in town, Brittany had this super adorbs dress and she wore it out on Saturday night after we were done with the streams for my birthday dinner and I'm realizing I never posted that photo. <sighs> oh, yeah. Girl, you got to do but that. Yeah. But yeah. I remember being like, damn it, Brittany, why are you wearing a cute dress? 
where did you get this cute dress? I want this cute dress. <laughs> yeah, because uh, here's the thing is I overpack, ladies and gentlemen, so I like to bring all my clothes with me. Steimer didn't pack as much as I did. I packed a backpack. And you had that Red Dead Redemption shirt and a pair yeah. of shorts, but I obviously looked a little bit more dressy. But, like, this is the thing is oh, wow. these ladies, I, I did because I dressed more <laughs> no, than a did, Red Dead. Did. I'm going to kill you. No, she so brought a full-size suitcase for I a 48-hour trip, Steimer. Yeah, I know. So I, I was know. more prepared. I was more. Pre- I was prepared for anything. The I was prepared to raid Andrea's closet, which I did. Yeah, it's you true. did. It works. But like, here's the thing is, I mean, you ladies have known me now. Well, Steimer's known me for like 10 years. Andrea's known me for many years, too. But my wardrobe has typically always been just jeans and a video game tank top. Like, that's just my shtick. And Stitch Fix has like, quite literally opened my eyes to styles that I... Never really knew that I would like on me, that would be flattering, that I would even be open to. And it's pretty cool because I don't have the patience to go out and go shopping. Trying to shop online is just a little too intimidating for me. I'm not at that point yet. So it's really awesome to have this relationship that I do with my stylist. She is start, you know, she knows what I like. She's getting a grasp of my more of, you know, my style, I guess. Duh. And it's it's cool to see what she picks out for me. You know, Literally, not every... Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. You're good. Go ahead. Uh, it's funny. It's like you say that and I, I feel like it's so true. And I don't I ask you, I literally ask you every time. I'm like, is that from Stitch Fix? Because yeah. I know I know when you've purchased a piece of clothing and I know when Stitch Fix has sent you something. Because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, this is not something Brittany would buy for herself, but she looks awesome in it. Thanks, girl. Yeah. yeah I literally haven't bought myself anything new uh, in so long besides the Stitch Fix stuff, though. So. It's cool. If you're excited about trying Stitch Fix, get started today at stitchfix.com slash what's good and get an extra 25% off when you keep everything in your box. That's right, an extra 25% off at stitchfix.com slash what's good. One more time, stitchfix.com slash what's good. Look cute like Brit. All right, so... I don't think anybody wants to hear me talk about Lego Tower for the third week in a row. I have <laughs> so, some things to say. Yes. And I Steiner, texted one of them to you. And okay. I think I have to say goodbye to Lego Tower. Oh, be- no. Because because we've broken this game. You and I have broken this game in a way I don't think it can recover from for me. <laughs> because so what happens is when you post your friend code... This game was clearly, like, not designed to have as many friends. Like, I feel like 10 to 20 is, like, a solid number that you probably could realistically shoot for, and it would be Mm -hmm. totally great and really fine. But when it gets into the realm of hundreds, which is where Andrea and I are at, and I know this sounds like, oh, woohoo, boohoo, me, uh, poor me. But it's just, it fundamentally breaks the game because the queue is so long and it takes so long to get people in and out of your tower that Mm -hmm. that's all you're doing kind of essentially and so i feel like all i was doing was just trying to get through this queue of like a hundred something people when it would finally go down more people would come and i was just like i can't keep up (laughs) with the amount of people visiting my tower and even when i have i just know i have to wake up and do this all again tomorrow and like i'm not ignore them i know not really no, because I mean, your elevator can only hold one person at a time. So the downside to having a big queue of people wanting to visit your tower is that you can't m- organically move new residents into your tower. You can only bring new residents in from people sending you workers, which is where I'm mm-hmm. at now, which is like in hindsight, like 
Not the worst, because then you could do fill your new levels all with people whose dream jobs are that level. But you do have to be very strategic about when you're evicting people and mm-hmm. having people work in that tower. Um, I've just been getting proficient about leaving a single slot in one of my residential units open so I can bring in a person that somebody has sent to me and then I can send it to another one of my friends. But it does kind of break the flow. And let me give you an example. On (laughs) Saturday night, after we finished recording all of the streams and doing our other Patreon responsibilities and going out for dinner, we came back to my house. It was pretty late. It was about like 10.30 or so on a Saturday, and we decided we wanted to watch Detective Pikachu because Timer hadn't seen it yet. And so we sit down on the couch, and I was like, well, since I've already seen Detective Pikachu and I'm going to love watching it again, I'm just going to take this opportunity to clear out the 245 people that are in the queue to visit my tower. An insane amount of people, right? And it literally took me the entire movie Without going to visit anybody's tower, I just literally accepted the elevator ride, hit the continue button continuously (laughs) for the entire movie, and it wasn't until the credits rolled that I cleared out all of those people. So we're talking like 90 minutes plus, almost two hours. So that's wild. That's that's the part. And for me, I am hitting visit because, spoiler alert, I haven't added most of you back as friends. I'm so sorry, but it's true. But I, what I will do is when you come to my tower, I'll hit visit and then I will go to your... Because, like, you deserve the extra $10, too. I don't want to be... Sometimes I do accidentally hit continue, and for that, I'm very sorry. But for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty good about, like, okay, they they gave me 10 bucks, great. I have to go give them 10 bucks, do them a solid. But then that takes twice as long. So then I, I'm like... This is all of the time that I really want to be like thinking about my tower or whatever. And you're correct in that. Like, obviously, there are a lot of benefits to having this many people. Uh, One of them being you get people in there quickly that are the dream job or whatever. But that queue thing is just it's too much work for me. Mm -hmm. It feel it feels too much like work. And it feels like I have to clear this queue so that I can clear it tomorrow. And for me, I, I was just like, actually, you know what? That doesn't sound fun to me anymore. I don't I don't want to do it. I wonder if they could patch in a way to close off your tower for visits. You know, timer just visited my tower. Yeah, I did that yesterday. Just be like, don't right yesterday. yesterday. What I think would really help solve this is if you are able to put like a friend system in place, if you so choose to say hey, I only want my friends to be able to visit my tower. Um, but I can go visit, you know, anybody who has their tower open, but then let people say, I'm going to close my tower down or keep it open. Like, I don't want yeah. to block people. But like you, I like visiting people's towers too. But then you get into a weird space where like, oh, this person didn't upgrade their elevator. Yeah. Oh my God. Floors and yeah. it's taking so long. Here we go. And- That's my other rant is like, upgrade your fucking elevator. And it's like, Okay, I get it if you've just started the game and you have less than double-digit towers. Fine. <clears throat> totally get it. I was there once, too. But when you have, like, 25 towers and you have a level one elevator, I don't know what you're doing. That like, would be annoying. I'm I'm also on the DL playing Lego Towers because these bitches got me into it and I love them so very much. <laughs> um, but I like it because it's just you pick it up. I like to see how many coins I have. I'm not obsessing over it. I don't play it all throughout the day. I just get my coins and then I add a new apartment or... I still have not evicted a single person yet. What? You need to get on that. I know. I need I need to do it. But uh, 
Yeah, it's it, it's a fun little like pick up a few times throughout the day. How many coins do I have? Can I add a new tower yet? No, I need a hundred and ninety thousand. Okay, I'll wait. And then yeah, I... the coins are yeah. Bit... I have two hundred and twenty two five million. Fuck, two hundred and twenty one people waiting in my queue right now. Ah, like I that to me is just a number I can't I can't you just I, can't I can't I That's I want to pick up this game and play it for five minutes at a time, and I can't even get through the queue fast enough to like to to realistically even do that because by the time i clear even like 20 people five more will have come and it just feels in, like an impossible task to get all the vis- I- and it's like i feel again i just feel it's mostly because i feel bad like i want yeah to go to their tower too and like give them the ten dollars <laughs> i do I I but, yeah, but that makes the loop twice as long so but i also can't sit there for three hours at a time and do this every day so i I bid I bid farewell to Lego Tower for you, now. You had a they good have run. made they had made some really nice additions with their update. Like so now if you have extra pieces you can sell them for coin, which means yes, it'll be so, so nice. much easier to get the money for the extra tower levels that you're looking for. They've made some really good quality of life improvements, but I think just putting our codes out on the internet accidentally broke the game in a way I wasn't really anticipating. Um mm-hmm. and the the cues are are astronomical yeah well maybe like we said there'll, there'll be some sort of come visit my tower friends only or i'm just temporarily blocking it off i still love you maybe uh, you maybe get a guard dog and it scares everyone away or maybe know. it's if, like a hospital and there's visiting hours you can only maybe there's a hospital <laughs> and you have a zombie apocalypse plague and that's why no one can come or visit like part of the lego club could be like it automatically goes to their tower when they've come to yours for you and you don't have to have maybe the app just needs to be running in the background and that's it and like okay cool that would be great because uh otherwise i am not playing your game anymore i'm literally just trying to get through letting people in and out of my tower well you know it's a tough problem to have it is it's weird it's it's funny to me because i was like huh it's interesting that this game is not designed for you to have this many friends. <laughs> like, definitely it's not. definitely not. It's definitely balanced around something much, much lower. Yeah, like 10 friends would be a, a pleasant amount of friends. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been fun. I'm still playing because I'm desperate to find a gold brick. And you can only get a gold brick by getting to 50 levels and then you can destroy your, your tower. So do you guys know Wait. about the gold bricks? So you want a gold brick so you can destroy your tower. So here's the way the gold brick works. Do you, are you familiar? No. So once you get to 50 levels, you can destroy your entire tower and start over. You keep all of your pieces and all of your upgrades and all the customizations, right? So like if you paid for a faster elevator and you have all these oh, pieces, okay. you, keep, you keep all of those. But then you start over and then the gold bricks allow you to build faster because you can stock more. Um, and so you can sell more and so you can earn money faster. Oh, so okay. I want to try it. I want to get to the status where I can build the gold bricks. Cause I, I once saw somebody, I visited somebody, one of my friends, somebody in my friends list has a tower with over 87 stories in it. Whoa. Yeah. Crazy. I don't know how they got that because I'm only at like story 42 and I play this game semi regularly throughout the day, but like, you I'm could like, say Damn. that. That is impressive to have that many levels. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to see what the gold bricks are all about. But but yeah, I Simer, I think that's a genius idea to make it part of the Tower Club benefits to say, 
out, oh. auto visit like let it be is there a bug <laughs> yeah a bug just flew in my face randomly I Sorry. saw it fly past your <laughs> that, camera oh, that's it. yeah it looks real big because it must be right by the camera <laughs> yeah it was a couple yeah, days ago you had caught a... that bug out of the sky oh yeah oh my god yes that. I need to clip that shit that was perfect oh my gosh Anyway, enough about Lego Tower. Thank you for humoring us, everybody. And we're sorry that we can't visit you back. We yeah, I'm to, sorry. It just takes too so many of you. I want to give you the 10 bucks you'll get, yeah. but good God. Can't yeah. do it. No. Um, but you both have been playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. Oh, yeah. Yes. The so funniest thing I saw Fire Emblem. on Twitter, and I'm so sorry, sir. You were very kind, so I'm not trying to totally make fun of you but it was humorous to me and i laughed somebody um when i was asking twitter like hey like which house should i pick whatever um he was like oh i've never seen anybody pick anything other than black eagles and i was like well golden deer seemed cool too and he's like well i don't even know he's like oh those are the only two i hear anyone talk about sucks to be the other one or many of the others i'm not sure how many there are i've been in a media blackout and i was like i replied back i said it's literally (laughs) in the title of the game (laughs) Houses. Oh again i'm sorry sir if you're listening it was just funny to me i laughed and he also laughed he was a good sport about it i mean that is pretty funny <laughs> so it's called it's, uh, three, three houses it's three there's three houses, three houses. Three okay three same so who did you pick black eagles okay they're I the ones with the capes right they're mad mostly a lot of magic and yeah they're like very sort of gothy slytherin a type okay. who did you pick the golden deer yes i'm glad okay, they're like super you yeah yeah like yeah. claude oh. is like i i almost picked because of him i was like ah he's really charming i know he is really charming and i'm gonna try not i forget that these are children that yes. these are yeah 17 year olds i can't say anything weird about it and then i yeah, realized but wasn't it like per, wasn't persona the same way though yeah it's just yeah like but that. i didn't really want to fuck any of them <laughs> Well, yeah, no. Oh, so you're saying there's husbandos in uh, in three houses? Oh, oh there's yeah. A there's a lot of husbandos, and a lot of them are or older. But it's that they're that, premature husbandos. It's like that culture where it's like once you're like 17, you know the the this JRPG kind. Of, anyway, it's fine. Claude, I'll, I'll wait a year for him. Um, but I I'm having so much fun with this. I mean, I had a feeling I would because in the past I had dabbled in Fire Emblem. I think maybe a the past like two games that came out but maybe like 10 to 15 hours in each but after a while the formula just got a little too repetitive to me it was have this battle and then talk to everyone and then blow into your d your 3ds so you can have babies with someone i don't know it got i'm sorry weird. what yeah no no there is to charm that you're the person you wanted to bang and like get with one of the little pet games is you had like blow into the 3ds into the little speaker why what was it simulating were you I don't do I want to know? I don't know because this isn't something like <laughs> okay. that's not the kind of blowing I'm doing if I'm like getting with someone you know what I mean I'm not like blowing you don't on, blow their on their ear I don't blow no it's like blowing you blow on their, their ear face. is a thing yeah no that's fine I can get down with that but yeah, this is like trying to Homer Simpson away but it's like <laughs> it's like <laughs> you blow onto their faces and then they would love you for it I'm not kidding should blow I try into- this tactic should I just go <laughs> blow on a cute guy's face and see what he does yeah, you would can like we all go to a bar so I can witness this happen. Yes, <laughs> yeah. If you get me drunk enough, I will do it. Mission uh, accepted. Okay, so okay, <laughs> let me read. In certain circumstances, S-level characters are able to wake up. Maybe it was waking up their spouses by blowing into the microphone or by tapping the screen to touch their hair, face, or shoulder. 
though that was like a thing you would do. You'd interact with them and be like your pet in Pokemon, but your pet and like your partner. Anyway. <laughs> oh yes, my precious. Oh yes, pet's me. <laughs> but um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. No, keep going. It's, no, it's great. This conversation is just all down the garbage chute. Um, anyway, yeah, Fire Emblem Three Houses. I'm addicted. I'm only like eight hours, not even probably eight, more like six hours into this. And that if for a game like this, you're just barely scratching the surface. You know, this game like eighty to probably hundred hours per house is what I've been told. So there's a lot here. But what's really cool about it, and what I did not expect from this, is the sort of persona type gameplay that's in there. You are. A professor of one of the three houses and it is up to you to guide train teach your class build relationships with them build their bonds with other people and um what you do is you have a calendar system and then a few days each calendar you can teach a seminar you can teach your students individually you can explore wander around complete side quests um you can train if you want to and and you as- can Romance, yeah. So it, I had no idea that was actually a part of the game, um, and I, I don't know if that was even really, even really talked about. Maybe probably during some of the preview streams, it was or the preview videos. But when I found that, that out, I knew I was screwed. I'm like, well, here goes all my free time. I'm done. This is my this life. This bug now. is back. Get out of here. It has a it's, big bug. It's probably worth mentioning just at this one moment that Nintendo did provide us with codes for Fire Emblem Three Houses for Nintendo Switch. So thank you, Nintendo, for providing codes. Yes, thank you. Because honestly, this is a game I would not have picked up um, because I'm weird and dumb. But because <laughs> you're weird and dumb, you're like, you just weren't thinking about it. I wasn't, it was thinking, I wasn't thinking about it. And Andrea's like, do you want a code for this? And I was like, sure. I know you're not going to play it. So like, why not? Why not me? And then I started playing it, and I was like, oh, shit. I think yeah. I could really like this game. It's like, <laughs> and granted, I haven't played a lot of it yet, but it is, I've been thinking about it all day. Like, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm like, it's one of those games where it kind of gets in your head, and you're like, yep. I just, I want I want to go home and play this game. Yeah. Um, and I haven't felt that way in a really long time, so it's really exciting for me. I'm trying not to get too excited about it, because maybe I'll fizzle out. But at, at the moment, why not like, just like fall? Uh, okay, like falling in I'm love. Free. Just like okay, just let, let it's go been a long breathe. time, Andrea. I don't remember what that is. Oh, so. Diamond, no. <laughs> yes, you do. It's buried free. in there. Well, okay, I've got, lay at it. <laughs> What's happening right now? I've got a pep talk on one screen. Okay, and a weird crow <laughs> serenading at me on the other. Come <laughs> on, bitches. No, uh, no, I'm with you, Simon. I'm thinking I'm the same way that I cannot stop thinking about it. I just want to get in there. I like I love it because, you know, in battle, you want to position your units next to each other. So they form those bonds. And yeah, uh, and then I haven't that, you- I haven't figured out quite how to do that. Well, OK, yet. that was going to be my question to you. Have you played Fire Emblem before? No. So how, how- I thought I had and I realized as I've been playing it. No, I have not. <laughs> so how confused are you? <laughs> uh, I mean, not that like the okay. story so far seems pretty Mm-hmm. whatever up front i've played strategy games like this before I, I the only part i am confused by is um i wish there may be and maybe there'll be more tutorials coming up for for the positioning of like having them next to each other mm-hmm. um because right now i just know like terrain stuff and uh like obviously you don't want to put your magicians on the front line or your archers on the front line because they die so like you know basic shit like that is kind of what i know at this point but i have seen like 
oh, I've seen hints of the fact that if you put them in certain places, it will be better, but I haven't figured out how to actually do that yet. Yeah, my understanding is that if you have the units on the battlefield and one of them performs an action and they're within range of some other units, that solidifies their bond or grows their bond because you have different characters have different relationships with other characters, right? And it's like starts at D, C, B, A, and then S rank, I think, are like the usual uh, ranks. Yep. And when they it's like a slow meter and then they fill up with those little hearts and then it triggers dialogue between those characters and each piece of dialogue between the characters it's very well voice acted it's a fun little scene and it's a great way for you to know all of these characters because there's so many of them but they're all so different and unique and i it's incredible the amount of detail and care that went into creating these characters it's very evident yeah i was actually surprised by the level of production already because like i again i'm not super far into this game but for, i don't know what i was thinking honestly i haven't really seen i was on kind of media blackout as well mm-hmm. um and so i just didn't know what really i was expecting but like the voice acting is really well done i love the art i think it's beautiful um and not to mention that i love the style of this game like i love the way everyone is dressed i think everyone has a really distinct look and personality which is super cool and I'm very much looking forward to diving into everyone and like seeing what they're all about. And I also do like battlefield strategy. Now, what is what I will say is if you are also new to Fire Emblem and you're a little scared because Fire Emblem has the permadeath thing, you could turn that off. I turned yes. it. I'm on casual. So now if they fall on the battlefield, they're not dead, dead. They just faint like a Pokemon. Pokemon, yeah. You take them to Nurse Joy, they get all better. It's fine. <laughs> Um, but if you want, if you are like diehard Fire Emblem, they obviously have that in there for you. And you that obviously raises the stakes a lot. I'm not looking for stakes. Yeah. Unless I can eat them. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Throw some A1 Words on there. of wisdom from Christine Steimer. That's perfect. <laughs> I'm no, not looking yeah. for stakes. Unless, unless I, I can eat them. them. Word. Um, I want to talk a little bit about handheld mode. Have you played it in handheld mode That's the only way I'm playing it. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. I don't. So, I don't dock my switch. I'm not okay. lying. <laughs> no, you're, you're not. Yeah, you're not. So I. It's not even set up. Like my dock is in a box somewhere. I don't even know dock where it is. Dock in a box, like dick in a box. So I downloaded this game on my way to San Francisco, and I played it only in handheld mode, and it was fine. And clearly, you're not having any issues with it. But playing this on a big screen, it's just like, whoa, this is real pretty, and it looks so good, and having the pro controller in your hands because. Obviously, Fire Emblem games have been on handheld systems, so it's really fun to be able to play this on a big screen. And like you said, it is so pretty. So, I, yeah, I mean, obviously, Simer thinks it's fine. I was going to recommend that, uh, personally, I find I enjoy it much better on the big screen, but I do take it with me to bed, and it's fine. Obviously, the frame rate stutters just a little bit, but it's nothing terrible. See, I am weird, and I'm like, I think I prefer games like this on handheld and i don't wouldn't like this if i had to play it on my tv it's not, or not that i wouldn't like it but i wouldn't like it as much so i think that's part of why persona didn't really click with me this time around is like there was something mentally blocking me about like i need to turn on my ps4 and i need to turn on my tv and do this as opposed to just because i had such attachment with my vita and and persona golden and i was just like oh that's that's to me that game i don't know maybe it's no you, no you've said but no, no, you said that RPGs are better for you when they're in handheld. I don't so. know why. It makes yeah. literally no sense. I sit on my couch, which is in front of my TV. It's really not that much more effort <laughs> to, like, turn it on or put it there. But there is a weird, I don't know, just people have weird mental things, and that's one of mine. Huh. Yeah. 
But no, so far, definitely 100% loving this game. I'm, I love you ladies, but I'm very excited to wrap up the show and go play it some more. Just going to be honest. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for this weekend where I have no plans and I'm going to sit <sighs> on my couch and play this game all weekend. Yes. That's exciting. I, I want to I wanna play games all weekend. You're you have playing the game of life. Yeah, yeah you, are. you have to be a responsible adult. Yeah, so before I get into their uh, impressions of Youngblood, first off, I'm glad you guys are having a fantastic time with Fire Emblem, and I'm glad that I reached out to you about that code, because Nintendo knows I am not the Fire Emblem person on this team. And I was like, Brittany already has her code, and I was like, they've given me one, and I'm not going to do this game justice. So I'm so glad that you're enjoying your time and that you're going to have some fun with it, and we can check in with you guys next week on your extended thoughts after playing you know, over the weekend. But I really, literally, the only thing I've been playing is Lego Tower because it's on my phone because I've just been so busy trying to find a house in Los Angeles I mean. um, and like trying to do some preparations for that. And it's just a little bit exhausting, unfortunately, that I haven't booted up my console. Like the Solstice event is happening in Destiny 2. And I'm trying to prepare for Shadowkeep, which launches in a couple of weeks. And then we've got Borderlands 3 coming up and a bunch of other games. And I've got Ultimate Alliance downloaded on my Switch that I want well, to try another good and one. get into. Yeah. That and you're are- supposed to be playing Youngblood with me. Yes. So Bethesda very graciously provided us codes for Wolfenstein Youngblood and Steimer bless her heart, has texted me both nights and been like, I'm logging in. Are you ready to play? And I've been on the phone for conference calls both times. And I'm just like, like the life stress is real for me right now. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that happens, you know, like sometimes you just get into those periods where you have to step away from the things that you love or the hobbies that you have and, you know, put them on the back burner to like take care of your shit. And that's just like where I'm at right now. But I'm looking forward to once I get beyond this weekend because I'm going back down to L.A. to go look at more property <laughs> um, and to see some of my friends in Los Angeles and to see my husband. <laughs> um, and, um, and to celebrate your birthday, girlfriend. That's coming yeah. up. Yeah. Hey. So the day this birthday. comes out, Andrea's birthday will have been the day before. So let's all say happy belated birthday. Yes. Happy birthday, beautiful. Thank you. And we missed Brittany's birthday. We got to celebrate Steimer's birthday on the stream uh, in May, but we missed Brittany's because we were all in London. Yes. Um, But next year we'll do a big birthday blowout. It'll be great. Come Uh down to the property in Los Angeles. We'll all hang out. It'll be great. Oh, my God. Yes. Um, Or maybe just move. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Aim yeah. for the stars, baby girl. Aim for the stars. Listen, you know, my life motto, ladies and gentlemen, is you, you can't, can't get, get what, you, what don't you don't ask for. for. I remember. Yes, very instilled this into True. me. <laughs> <laughs> ask for it. And if the universe says, not right now, bitch, it's okay. At least you put it out there and you tried. But yeah. if you never ask for it, like what Wayne Gretzky said, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. There you go. It's basically like that, but different. Um, so anyway... Long story boring. Hopefully next on when next week's show, I'll have gotten time to play Youngblood or Ultimate Alliance or the Solstice event, and I'll have something new to talk about. Um, but for now, I want to hear about your lady's experience with Wolfenstein Youngblood. How's it going? Okay. So, so yeah, Bethesda uh, provided us with deluxe editions, which means these retail for $39.99. What this means, like we were talking about in the last segment, 
is that you can have someone play with you. All they have to do is download it. It's free for them to download it, and they can hop into your game. They can play it from start to finish. They have no limitations or anything like that. It's really cool. So I recruited my husband to join me. And we're having a really, really fun time. I'm try- I was talking to him about this. I'm trying to remember the last time he and I had so much fun with a shooter like this. And I think it's been a very long time. I'm Halo? trying to... Yeah. Halo 5? Halo 5. Yeah, it could be Halo 5. And that was how many years ago? <laughs> like two, three, three, three years ago? Three, I think. Yeah, it's, been, it's been a hot sizzling minute. And it's we're only a few hours in, so I you know can't go too much into detail here. But I love the level design. I love how there's just so much to look at and see and do. And the attention to, attention to detail is awesome. There's fun collectibles to get. Uh, shooting zombies, I almost said zombies, may as well. Shooting Nazis is fantastic. <laughs> and it's a great feeling. I mean, I think um, my expectations going into this game is, is it, you know, the next major Wolfenstein title in the terms of, is it going to follow Mr. BJ? And no, we knew it wasn't going to be that. We knew this game is priced lower than it normally is and that there's going to be a heavy emphasis on co-op. I think it's like an fa- Uncharted Lost Legacy vibe. Yeah, yeah. And so I didn't go into this expecting the, you know, big blockbustery Wolfenstein game, but I did expect, you know, it to be a fun, polished for the most part experience with some quirky humor and some familiar faces. And the sh- the gameplay I expected to be great, the the combat and all those things are true. And so we're having a lot of fun and it's it's cool to see, you know, the continuation of the story, the new Colossus. You know, you see some people come back and there's some fun little like story plot elements like revealed and you're like, oh, that happened, that happened. And we're just having a blast, literally. I don't mind the RPG mechanics of it. It's it's fine. Is it necessary? N- not really. But it's cool. It's like, okay, I'm oh, man, I'm so eager to upgrade my cloak. Oh, see, I don't use the cloak at all. Oh. But that's not surprising, I guess. So let's talk about this. So yeah. you're playing as different sisters then. So there's two sisters. So for people who are unfamiliar, Wolfenstein Youngblood is the follow-up to Wolfenstein the New Colossus, which is to the sequel to Wolfenstein the New Order, which was oh, the so reboot sweaty. of the Wolfenstein franchise with machine games. Um, obviously, Bethesda's still publishing. Um, at QuakeCon last week, they announced that in addition to uh, some of the other cool stuff that they're doing with Wolfenstein, they're b- bringing back some legacy titles from their do- from the Doom franchise that you can get on Nintendo Switch, which was a really cool thing. But Wolfenstein has a legacy in the first-person shooter landscape, and so I think that's why people are kind of looking at this a little bit differently because it's the first time that they've done something co-op in this franchise. And there's the two daughters, the twin daughters from um, Anna and BJ um, Blaskowitz. Mm-hmm. And their names are... Jess and Soph. Okay. And so yeah. you, it doesn't matter which one of them you pick. You can pick right. the powers uh, to be whatever you want. So they, to start with, you have either a cloak, which is what, for, good for stealth, which is what I have. Or you have like a Hulk push thing that you picked i guess it crush yeah you get to jump up and push b and then you like ground pound everything around you it's great yeah um yeah and then you can upgrade those things and there's a third one on there that's like a mystery unlock so i, I don't know what that one is yet but uh, it doesn't matter which sister you pick the only thing is their starting weapons mm-hmm. are a little different and that's literally it um and then of course as you go out through as you go on throughout the game you'll pick up the same weapons anyway so it really doesn't matter yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I mean, is it the most deep, robust? It's just, no, it's not. But that's fine. That's not what this game is supposed to be. And it's it's really fun. It's just a good time. I'm looking forward to playing this, you know, with him maybe tonight. If I can pull myself away from a Fire Emblem fat chance, but we'll see. But this is another one of those games where we were talking, when was the last time we had so much fun with a shooter like this? Where Because it's, it's silly and it's quirky and you can play as how you want to, but it's... the. And the emphasis on teamwork is very... Ev- so, Sam, actually, I want to ask you about this. You are not playing with um, a real human. You're playing no. with AI. How I does have that- a real human. Uh, I'm it's- sorry, Steimer. I let you down. <laughs> okay. I wasn't there for you. It's okay. Because it's interesting because I got to play with you at the event. So, I've played it both with a real person and without a real person. Um in it's probably certain, easier with the AI. <laughs> I was gonna say, in some ways it's easier, but it's also not as fun. Like I, I miss having you there. I miss having someone there to be like to talk to and to like strategize with and to be like, okay, you like here's the other thing. I have yet to figure out a way to actually sick my person like sick my sister on someone. Mm. So like I can target someone and they will when I engage in fire go I think like theoretically target that person more heavily. But I'm like, but I kind of want you to just go take them out. Just <laughs> for, go do it for just me. Just go right? wander up there like I can in some other games. It's not the way that they do it here, which is fine. But And then like there's a few other things that they do to sort of fix the puzzle element. So there's like a code generator. And in playing mm-hmm. with you, Andrea, you had to be in one room and I had to be over here doing this other thing. But since mm-hmm. I can't force the AI to go over there, what they do is like you only need to go to one of those spots and it will just generate the code there. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So I was like, okay, but like, it was kind of fun being like, oh, you go over there and you do the yeah. thing and you, okay, we figured it out. Great. Um, so in some ways, it's definitely more streamlined. So like, if you're like, I cannot be bothered slash I have no one that wants to play this with me. Uh, it's definitely viable, but I had more fun like screaming about everything with Andrea, <laughs> and maybe that was just because we were having a great time like dicking around. But um, yeah, it was it was was good it was good times yeah. that I'm looking forward to being able to play more with you. I agree. I don't know how much fun I would have playing this by myself because I typically just I mean I love Wolfenstein, but this is obviously not as story driven, and you don't have all those super intimate moments with those. Um, the NPCs and other characters that you grow to learn learn and love over the course of the game. But yeah, I agree, Simon. It's fun, you know, getting the floppy disks and then decoding them and being like, okay, so it looks like there's three puzzles here. These are the codes. Let's see. It says it's over here on top of this one thing. And then, you know, you go back and you backtrack through the level. And depending on if you have certain weapons or not. So in the perk tree, you can get a perk to pick up the heavy weapons at the uh, Nazis drop. And you have to open certain doors only with some of their certain weapons. So, you know, as you're first starting out, there are going to be doors that are going to be blocked and probably behind them is like a chest with silver coins or maybe, who knows, like a collectible or something. And so you're playing and then you find one of those big weapons and then you go back and you backtrack and then you blast open the door and you get your loot. And it's it's a fun thing to do with another person for sure. Definitely has that much more engaging feel to it. I think the catacombs are fun so far. That's kind of like your central base where you go and all the characters hang out. You can want it's a pretty sizable area. You yeah, walk. it was really yeah. big. That's what she said. Yeah, there's you know like the arcade. You can watch, listen to music. There's like a little disco room. There's just a bunch of stuff you can do. People you can talk to. Lots of side quests. Well, maybe by lots. I mean, I think I have maybe four or five in my queue right now on top of the main mission. 
And I think a lot of these have you going back to the same areas you've been. And then, you know, the main missions take you through like a separate entrance in that main area you've been exploring. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's a great co-op game. I'd highly encourage you to play with someone. You know, it's perfect. Well, it's, if you have two TVs in your house, like that's the way you're going to have to do or it. Or if you have a friend on the or, Internet. Exactly. Yeah. There's yeah. no local support here. Uh, but performance wise, I've only had a few issues. Um, one of them was just kind of funny. We were at our first boss fight. And Jason was zero health, zero shield, but he was still able to walk around and shoot the boss. Nice. It was Hacks. kind of, it, yeah, it was, it was a hacksaw. And so I've heard of that happening. Obviously, just having the small mini map in the top of the co- right corner. You cheesed not, it. Cheesed it. Having the top, uh, or having the mini map in the top right corner, not able to expand that. At least I haven't found a way to expand it. I don't think you can. I've seen I it don't on our think Facebook. You can. Yeah, I've seen our Facebook fan page. People are also complaining about that. It's kind of annoying because the levels are pretty big. So you'd like if you could just kind of like see an overview of where you're going, what you got to do. Yep. But um, yeah, it's, it's a good time. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, there was a weird thing that I'm not still not sure if it's a bug or not. It was like the one of the beginning entrances of these levels. And you played this with me, Andrea, and we managed to kill this thing. So I don't know if it was just the AI partner was being shitty and we you and I were able to like gun them down together or, and this one I wasn't able to make target. I don't know what's happening, but like one of the big boys, juggernauty boys, I forget what they're called. Um, anytime I would get him to like nearly dead as I was reloading, he would refill all of his health. Oh, like, Dick. And I was like, this cannot be his intended that. What the fuck? Like I eventually just had to run away. Like I just ran to the objective and like, opened the door to like get through to the next area because i was like i just can't kill him like anytime i i have lost all of my ammo trying to kill this dude Uh, there are and that's actually a complaint i have heard from other people as well is that you'll come across a random area and it looks like that's where you have to go but it's just full of way strong enemies that will one hit you and uh it's typically what i found and you might be in a different situation because we came across something similar as well where we're just getting like one hit all over the place so you have three shared lives between the two sisters if Steimer and I are playing together, I go down. She can come up and revive me. It doesn't take a life. It only takes a life if you both are down. Or, yeah, if you both are down or if you're down and you can't get revived by your sister. But uh, we were in this area. We're totally getting, like, one hit by one of the big boys. And then we're like, this does not seem right. And then we looked around and it turns out there was a vertical jumping spot because you have the double jump in the suits. So a lot yep. of stuff is, like, up higher. Yeah. Anyway. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, Got indeed. It. Yeah, it's a good time. I would recommend playing it. It's fun. You know, I had a great time playing with Steimer at the event. I just, like I said, life, man. It's okay. I'll play Fire Emblem until you get back, and then you we can play together. Yeah. That sounds perfect. That sounds lovely. I'm excited and ready Woo! to kill some Nazis. Let's kill some Nazis together. Everyone's favorite pastime together. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Uh, awesome. Well, I'm glad that you both had fun with both of the games that you tried this week, including, I guess, third game, Lego Tower. Yeah, we're all playing um, the same shit. <laughs> yep. I, lo- I love it. It's this so rarely happens that we're all playing the same shit. But in a turn of events, the three of us were all at the same preview event. And let me tell you, this generally only happens at conventions like PAX or E3 because the ability for all three of us to be in the same preview event at the same time is just super rare because not only of scheduling, because of space. And thankfully, the folks at Private Division accommodated what's good games. And when we come back after this break, it's time to talk about our time playing The Outer Worlds. Stick with us. We'll be right back. 
everybody, and welcome to the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast. This is where we have our feature segment, and this week our feature is on our hands-on impressions and playthrough of The Outer Worlds from Obsidian Entertainment and Private Division. But before we get to that, let's talk about Bombas. How often do you think about your socks, I ask you? If you're like I used to be, <laughs> probably not much, but... I and Brittany and Steimer recently discovered the socks that change the way that we're going to think about socks forever. They're called Bombas. So let me talk a little bit about my first experience with Bomba socks. And I think it's important because whenever somebody makes a big pivotal life change around a product, you know that that product is probably pretty good. So I first heard about Bomba Socks from my uncle, my uncle Bobby, and he is a fashionista. So he lives in Philly. He's from the East Coast and he's always looking fly in like these nice suits and jackets and ever. And he's just like very posh. And he was trying to tell me about this amazing socks that he was buying. And I was like, what are you talking about? Well, whatever. So I don't wear socks. I'm a girl. I wear heels. I don't wear socks. And he's like, no, but listen up. You got to let me tell you how great these socks are. These socks are so great that I've literally filtered out every other sock in my entire wardrobe. Gone. It's only Bomba socks now. And I was like, whoa, okay, listen. That's a, ser- <laughs> that's a serious endorsement. It, it's like uh, it's like John with MeUndies. He only wears MeUndies now. But listen, if you want to put Bombas on your junk, that's up to you. But they <laughs> technically go on your feet. So let's talk about socks. Um, Steimer and I are super pumped to try our no-show socks. That's probably my favorite. I'm not going to speak for you, Steimer. But Brittany, you ordered some other socks to try from Bombas. I have the performance running sock. I recently... Hmm? Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. And then I'll make the joke afterwards. Okay, fine. <laughs> I uh, recently started going to the gym. And here's a fun yet gross fact is I am very prone to blisters. In soccer, my nickname was Blister. I'm not even joking. Oh, no. That's terrible. So what's Because I didn't. I thought all socks were created equal, Andrea. And so they I would wear not. like certain socks for, you know, soccer. Granted, those are soccer socks. But even just running or anything activity, I would get blisters. And I so I have to be very particular about the socks that I put on my feet. And so far with these. I'm doing great. I am blister free. Happy to report. I have to say when we put our order in with Bombas because they reached out to us and said, hey, we'd like to sponsor the show. We'd like to provide you with some socks. Brittany ordered one of the pairs of socks with little grippies on the bottom. And I was like, this is clearly because she's fallen down her stairs. I'm That's exactly be- the reason. I'm guessing more than once. <laughs> oh, dude. No. I, yeah. That's, and here's the thing. And that's the other thing with socks, something I never thought about until I moved into a house with hardwood stairs. If you have the wrong kind of socks, you're going to slip and you're going to fall down those things. And so when I saw that there's these premium grip socks, I'm like, oh, my God, (laughs) this is going to save my life. This is going to save my life someday. So, yeah. Hopefully you don't fall down any more stairs, though that was a very funny video, and I'm glad that you shared it with the world. Yeah, of course uh, I did. I have no shame. <laughs> so Bombas, of course, are the most comfortable sock in the history of feet. They are made from super soft, natural cotton, and every pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed that's comfy but not too thick. With many colors, patterns, lengths, and styles, Bombas looks great in the gym, at the office, and out on the town. Bombas are what feet daydream about, and for every Bombas purchase, here's the feel-good moment, you guys. They donate a pair to someone in need that is so amazing 
So if you want to get in on daydreaming for your feet, you got to go to bombas.com slash what's good today, where you'll get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash what's good for 20% off your sock heaven purchase. Bombas.com slash what's good. All right, enough about feet. Let's talk about space. In the outer worlds. So, ladies, we got the opportunity to go play. And I believe I see this in the video that's coming up. But just as a reminder, Private Division did pay for our travel accommodations and provided access to this preview event in Santa Monica. All three of us were there together. And we all got hands-on with a build. And it was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's my feelings exactly. <laughs> and on that note, why don't I toss to the video that the three of us recorded together last weekend. Uh, enjoy our hands-on impressions of The Outer World. Hey, everybody. What's going on? So you must be thinking, what are they doing in the middle of the podcast talking about The Outer World? Well, hopefully at the end of the last segment, I segued into this. So since <laughs> the three of us are together here in San Francisco, we thought it'd be fun to give you our hands-on impressions from The Outer World's preview event that we went to together and we've got gameplay oh my god who even are we uh we're trying to be professional we're trying like the best the last time and the only time that we've done this is when Brittany and i talked about my experience playing rage yes rage 2 yeah that worked out yeah it it turned out pretty good we did good so here we are round two of doing good things exactly there's a huge fly in the studio it's all right. We'll kill him eventually. Um, speaking of killing things, we're going to show you some <laughs> gameplay. Uh, hopefully you guys got a chance to listen to our special episode where we got to talk to some members of the team at Obsidian Entertainment about the Outer Worlds and about the demo that uh, you're going to see here and that we all got to play. Uh, if you have not checked it out yet, head on over to our podcast RSS feed and you can take a listen. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Um, but now we want to talk about what we played and what we thought about it. So I'm going to get some gameplay going here, but Brittany, Yo. Simer, mm-hmm. you two, this is the first time you got hands on with it. I oh, got yeah. the opportunity to play the game uh, during judges week uh, before E3. And so I want to hear, I want to hear what you guys have to think. Well, I have to say, well, what I have to think in it. Say. So yeah, <laughs> obviously like the hard thing when you play a game like this is they throw you right in the middle of it. And yeah. I don't really know who these characters are. I don't know why I should care about their personal missions. But I walked away after the demo just thinking of all the potential there really is here. You know, like it was fun listening to the party members bicker back and forth and kind of talking to them and discovering their side missions. And that's what I'm really excited about with this game. You know, the companion system and all of that. But I had a really great time with it. It played well. It was funny. The sense of humor was super obsidian-y. It was was a good time. It was a lovely time. Pew, 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 pew. Yeah, I definitely left this demo feeling as though I finally found like the game for me this year that's going to make me lose sleep mm-hmm. and like okay like I was just so I didn't want to stop playing I was like no no yeah I, I would like to keep just running around and exploring this world and yeah like as you said Brittany you didn't you didn't quite get the build up you would want because you're just dropped into the middle of things but mm-hmm. even still um, I had a great time running around and exploring, trying to figure out if there's like ooh secret back entrances to places or like you don't have to do. <laughs> yes, um, you don't have to do things particularly in order, which is always great. Like, you know, you can complete the quest without and then like, you're like oh, I didn't even know you'd wanted the thing. Yeah, I got, I got the thing for you. 
Um, and then, yeah, the, the companions and the way that they are talking to each other, it reminded me a lot of, you know, Bioware games. Yeah. Where you're like, yeah, you get the, the party chatter. I love party chatter. Multima Bell. Yeah. And so I'm really curious to see how, you know, your relationship with the companions progresses. Uh, and then as well as like whether or not the relationships between each other, like between them, will will grow or like appear to grow or whatever. I think that'll be really interesting to see. Yeah, there um, are homegirls right there. If you guys are watching the gameplay here at youtube.com slash what's good games, uh, the companions that both Brittany and Steimer have been talking about are on screen. Now we've got Pavardia and uh, Nyoka uh, at this part of the game. And they're both pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I would tend to do is so Pavardi has like a sort of a stun knockdown thing with her hammer. And so I would try and, like, use her special ability first to knock the big enemy down. And then I would use uh, Nioka's, like, she just unleashes, like, a mad woman. It's amazing. Uh, direct gunfire onto whatever the thing is. So stun him and then gun him down. And it worked pretty well. Uh, and it, I just felt, like, stupid powerful, which was great. And I was like, <laughs> you all die. I also built my character... I guess a little bit more tradition, like the way I would, which maybe I should have tried something else, but um, to be very conversational and like have a lot of points built into dialogue Mm -hmm. so that I was like trying to lie to everybody that I could and trying to see what I could get away with and seeing which dialogue checks I could get past um, because that's just the way I like to play, Uh, even though I obviously enjoy shooting things as well, but I always find it fun to try and outmaneuver people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I didn't use their specials as much as I probably should have because I just kept forgetting about it. Yeah. But then once I remembered um, that they existed, I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) yeah. I should probably be using their special abilities to help me in these combat situations. Um, I'm going to try to find some footage to show that to you guys, but on screen right now is one of the first quests that we played in our demo with this woman, Catherine, and you've been looking at some of the dialogue tree um, options here. So she's essentially sending you to this factory. So you guys may have heard us talk about the Sisty Pigs yes. uh, from the E3 demo. And that's essentially what we got to play at the preview event, which was super cool. So I'm just going to skip ahead here. So I you actually can see a didn't even do this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you so, didn't? No, Neither because did I. I'd already, we'd seen it from uh, the E3 demo. That was the... the quest mission that they focused on and so i decided to do everything except that and just wander around they basically gave us free reign to to explore this one world Mm -hmm. uh, and i just wandered as much as humanly possible those things to find oh those things are are the fucking worst so yeah there's a lot of monsters on this planet do you guys remember the name of this something core manticore no No, maybe so that was her special right there the world not the monster oh oh i don't remember the (laughs) section of the world that we're in right now no got it so that was um, Nioka's special there uh, with the like kind of the machine gun fire, um, which is is pretty cool. And as you can see, like the world has a very distinct visual style. Um, it does kind of remind me of like a more polished up version of Fallout, mm-hmm. which is no mm-hmm. surprise from yeah. Obsidian Entertainment, of course. Um, but I mean, I thought the combat was super satisfying. We only got to see like a small sliver of some of the creatures and things in the world. Oh, the stun baton was so good. Yeah. Um, the planet, well, the area we're in is called Monarch. Monarch. Ah, yes, Monarch. Like the butterfly. Like the butterfly. Yeah, and so the, the deal with Monarch is it was being built up and then all these monsters, which if you're not watching, they basically look like giant... What, what, what would are, you say that they look like? Uh, giant bugs, but like... 
Like something from the it's outer like a, world. It's like if a lobster had bigger legs and was crawling on land. Oh yeah. my god. Kind of. But we're not. But they do have the big claws. They do have the big claws. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. More crabby lobster. More crabby like, lobster. It's like a crab and a lobster had a baby. And it yeah. was trying to eat you. Now these That's are things what, that also <laughs> spit out fire. Or and some something? of them are. Some of them. Yeah. Like if you hit their bellies. Like it emits fire on you. And you're like. Great. Love it. I'm burning to death. And then, uh, so a lot of these monsters then drove away the corporations. So it's become a bit of a dead zone um, in terms of like what you may see on other planets. And you'll see more of the, the rogue colonies, the people who don't are not fearful of the monsters or if they are, they're just like, eh, fuck it, whatever. Lance cheap here. Cause no one's here. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Now is this a sissy pig quest again? Yeah. So yes. this is a little bit farther down in the slaughterhouse. Um, so if you guys maybe missed our original conversations about the outer worlds, you are a person that has been woken up out of cryo sleep. The corporation overlords have left your, um, your giant ship, the carrier ship carrying like thousands of potential colonists uh, just left you in orbit and sleep because it's too expensive to bring you out of orbit. And so Halcyon is the name of the corporation that has colonized this section of the galaxy that you're in. And sorry, we're in a loading screen here. Let me come back. <laughs> um, and so there's this weird like 50-50 side of like, are you on the side of the corporations or are you on the side of like the rebels that are out? It kind of like, now that I'm saying it out loud, is a tiny bit like Star Wars. <laughs> um, but yeah. not at all. Yeah. If that makes sense. I mean, you know. I mean, I think that what Obsidian does well is trying to make things have lots of different shades of gray instead of being very expressly black or white. Like, this mm-hmm. is the good decision or this is the yeah, bad really decision. Yeah, there really isn't, right? Um, it's like, what do you think is correct in this moment and um your companions will chime in i believe they said on on whether or not they they Mm -hmm. like what you just did or whether or not they agree with you um and so i think that that depending on whose values you align with you can use those companions as sort of a gut check for you and what you're trying to play uh and be like okay well if i think that pavardi has like the right way of thinking about things right. she hated what i just did maybe i should rethink what and i'm that's doing when you load your save yeah that's when you decision. yeah exactly you save yeah. a lot because it's an rpg it. and i asked during our interview i said can you please everyone she's like no of course no not. i mean yeah i mean i just think of you know mass effect that everyone loved me kept everyone alive they're my best friends. yeah well that was not entirely <laughs> realistic <laughs> well what i really like about what they're building narratively and what you guys are watching on screen right now is obviously me stealing a bunch of stuff well, oh my stealing, god because i'm wearing a disguise so that was yes. one of the options oh, to, yeah. to go into this quest like you could go see this guy and he would give you a disguise or you could go in guns blazing if that's your forte and you wanted to do that instead or you could stealth your way through the whole uh slaughterhouse <laughs> so here are our best our besties the sissy pigs so, so gross <laughs> I um, and, if, and if, even if you're not watching so what's happening on the screen is like there's a purple bar on the bottom and like a meter it's like it's a meter that's going down the more you move so that that will indicate where your disguise drops so um at currently she's moved too much and the bar is gone she's no longer disguised uh and so you're just like gonna have to yolo it a little bit but (laughs) (laughs) but if you do they had like three also smaller purple bar or not bars boxes Mm -hmm. next to it those are basically like checks so if you've got um, you can also basically lose your disguise if you're losing too many dialogue checks or whatever. This is me accidentally going outside. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> let me load up another video that. here. 
Yeah, so now I'm back inside. Let me see if You're I can get a little bit computer. further. Oh, is this Operation Pink Slip? Yes, yes. which is the pink really slip protocol. Pink slip protocol. Yeah, so you have you have the ability to handle a lot of quests in various different ways, which is also very Obsidian and very RPG. Uh, and you can initiate what's called pink slip protocol, which means all these robots uh, murder <laughs> all every, the humans. All, all the factory they relieve workers. them of their duties by killing them because yes. it's funny. Is death not the sweetest release? <laughs> Death, the sweetest release. So good. No, um, I love the sense of humor that's in this game, and that's something. I mean, I just laughed the whole time I was playing it. I, I mean, I think Simon and I were the only ones really laughing. Yeah, was I was having like, a really <laughs> good time with a lot of the, the, especially also like the delivery of the lines yes. and um, just the way that they were written. It was really, really funny, and that's why again, I'm so excited to just sit at my house and not be bothered and like do not talk to anybody for like three weeks and just play this game because <laughs> i want it i want it so badly i just want to like dive in i want to build my character i want to get some bomb ass armor for her i want to just <laughs> talk to all these companions i want to i don't know if i'm taking down the corporations or if i'm with them yet but i will get back to you and <laughs> i don't know if i've seen you this excited about a game since crackdown i'm really excited about this i'm very and, like, excited for you the the gameplay was or when we got this this hands-on demo it was just like fuck yes yes this is, this is everything i have wanted and have been missing this year yeah it's been a while since we've had a game like this i feel like this is this makes me so happy that you guys are saying this because i felt like maybe people thought i was crazy when i was raving about how good the outer worlds was and, and in fairness you know i had gotten this experience ahead of you and mm-hmm. like getting hands-on with it is obviously going to be a little bit different than uh, watching a demo at e3 and i think it just reemphasizes what I said back then, talking about how this was my pick for game of show at E3, was that, sure, Obsidian isn't reinventing the wheel with this RPG, and they're not, like, going down these crazy, you know, um, unknown paths of game dev. But what I think... Oh, is, sorry, he, she just... Oh, yeah, let me rewind like, so you guys can show... So you, so yeah, sorry, so we are watching footage, um, and yeah, that was great. So... Please clip over because yeah. it's, it's amazing. Uh, if you are not watching, you probably should just hop over to youtube.com slash what's good games. So we're talking it. to a guy named Clive. Oh, now, this was screen. the dude My we're bad. supposed to be dealing with from the quest giver, right? And she's like, basically, just get. Oh, oh. Oh, oh. Bam. Bam. Oh, See, that's, that's her. Fine. That's her bitching Get hammer move. Wrecked. I like yeah, she and hit him one more time. <laughs> <laughs> just for good just measure. For good measure. Make sure is that he dead. Make sure is he that super dead? Actually dead. You know what I'm really excited about is when we can talk about this game. Probably, you know, within spoilers, we'll have like a little mini spoiler cast or whatever, and we can talk about all the different decisions we made and all the different ways everything played out. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm just so stoked for. Oops, I hit the game. standby Oops. screen, guys. Oh no. Um, yeah, and and I think that's what's so great about this type of an RPG is that the three of us are all going to have a very Mm -hmm. different experience playing this game, and I, like Steimer, am also very excited to spend a lot of hours playing this, because I don't recall the last RPG, well, I guess technically... Assassin's Creed Odyssey would count because it was so much more RPG than any of the previous Assassin's Creeds have been. But it wasn't, it's still not a true RPG. It's still an action adventure game. Mm-hmm. And this is like a bona fide through and through yes. RPG. And I think the last time I really got into a game like this was maybe Fallout 4. Ah, it's yeah. been a while. Yeah, it like what been. was that, 2015? It's been I a think? hot minute. Mm hmm. 
So let me see if I have a few more pieces of gameplay to show you guys. Maybe something different here. I guess what we could talk about is um, some of the menu items. So yeah. I, I think I've I've, mm-hmm. I've been in the menus stuff. here. This is my menu thing. This is just some gear. So yeah, I, mean, I think I have another one with, with the um, with the perk system. No, that's nothing. That's a nothing video. Um, okay, so I'll bring this video up for you guys. So you've heard a little mm-hmm. bit now about what we've talked about mm-hmm. with in regards to the overall gameplay. So we'll show you we'll show you some nuggets here. Here's all of the menus you'll be lost in for very various <laughs> hours. Uh, and I thought the menu design was pretty clean. Yeah, um, I didn't have any issues with it. Yeah, like I said, nothing too crazy, but that doesn't need to be. Exactly. So you got just a little taste of some of the gear that you're going to see in the world. Of course, <laughs> this is the outer world. It's a space game. So it's going to have that heavy sci-fi vibe, oh, which I, like I really like. One. Yeah, that one's cool. And um, there's going to be all of that traditional stuff that you can see the the weight, the cell value, and the condition there. So all of those things about like encumbrance, which mm-hmm. I fucking hate. Yeah, <laughs> encumbrance is dumb. And like repairing your gear, that's that's baked in to here as well. I think um, these are some of the consumable items on screen right now that you guys can see. Now, did you steal a lot of this? Because I feel like you had way more stuff than I did. I did steal a lot of okay. stuff. Um, I took a bunch I also bought some stuff from the vending machine as Mm -hmm. well because I wanted to kind of get a look at all of it but true story I didn't really use any of that (laughs) no I I forgot I forgot to actually use these items I mean we aren't really again you're not really (laughs) being taken through a normal user flow so you aren't really taught like where to equip or what to use or like being Mm -hmm. re-encouraged to use it the way that they usually do in the beginning of a game right um so I did the same thing. I hoarded everything but used almost none of it. Right, <laughs> I did get nice. some really cool guns, though. Uh, I forget. I feel like one of them at the very end shot lightning or Dude. had some sort of a lightning effect on it, so which what do you was got? pretty yeah, cool. A flamethrower? Yeah, they had some Oh, I should have gone back and pieces. done more of the guns. The Maybe guns, I did. The guns were pretty good. Um, so now those empty slots, are those modif- – you can put mod- modifiers or modifications in them? Did you see them next to the armor? There's like like on the far left, there's Let's, these little – Should I just rewind? Yeah. 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 Like, right there, you can see them right there. The yes, slots I do the believe that they side. have like something oh, you can yeah, – At maybe. a workbench, you can modify. modify yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, so, so excited. Got, you can see some of the perk system here because your companions are also upgradable mm-hmm. in this RPG. You know, you can min-max them as well, which is cool. Yeah, it's it's crazy, like, the amount of stuff that you'll be able to play with in here. Um, but then I also feel like what they've said before that also appeals to old-ass me <laughs> is that this is not a, an overwhelming size of, a, of an RPG. Sure. Like, it should be doable for even me who gets bored of things very quickly at the at this point in my life i don't know what's happening to me but um yeah. you know i'm so i'm like i'm excited that it's not like 200 hours mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm like okay great this is like a manageable size and then it's really designed for replayability so you can go back through and be like all right i'm gonna plow one save file where maybe i'm a do-girder and i think that i'm Helping the people or like I'm a freedom fighter or whatever. Yeah. And then you can go be a corporate shill like on the next run and have a completely different experience. And what's doable about the Outer Worlds with that strategy is that it's not this crazy, insane, long RPG, that it is a much more manageable length of content. And you can make the you can make your run, you know, as diverse as you want, or you can mm-hmm. take your time and just explore, or you can golden path it and it doesn't feel like it's taking you hundreds of hours. Like I think of a game even like Skyrim, which I loved, but just to even do the main quest line, I felt like I had to dump like a hundred, hundred and 
150 hours yeah. in yeah. to feel like I wanted to go and, and finish that game up. I played that game for like 80 hours and never finished it. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. I never finished the main quest. But I think Obsidian's playing to their strengths, right? They're, they know they're not Bethesda. So why would you try to like add so much fluff and create such a padded game when you can just give you a bunch of good concentrated solid content in your face yeah. yeah one of the things i actually wouldn't that just reminded me that i think is really clever of them so obviously in fallout which obsidian is used to making before um you have vats right so you can stop time and like okay i'm gonna shoot their leg i'm gonna shoot whatever so what they kind of have instead here is the slowdown mechanic um which i also never used <laughs> oh really yeah oh, i use it so you yeah mm-hmm. you you can use it and it basically just slows down time if you hit um if you're on xbox left bumper or I guess it would maybe be the same on PlayStation as well. But uh, and you can also at a certain point it will highlight yeah, like the body go. parts of that that creature and be like, this will maim them. This will I don't know. I forget some of the other ones, but it's like oh it, yeah, 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 right. Do you know what I'm this? saying? By accident, I think I did. Yeah, Basically, like if you hit a Sorry, certain guys. body part, what will it do to them? And it it kind of loosely mm-hmm. explains it to you while you're in slowdown mode. And something I'm just super excited about, I feel like when you hear RPG, it, it, this, you think this goes without saying, but how customizable you can make your characters, and I, we talked about this a little earlier, but you level up, you get points that you can assign how you want them. And I feel like so many games these days are so scared of doing that because they don't want you to make a borked character. Right. And then the game becomes, you know, unplayable, essentially. Sure, you can respec, but but that's what I appreciate about this, is you can really just make your character as you want to. And I feel like that's just not done a lot anymore. Yeah, and I do think they were saying like it is technically possible to do a non-lethal playthrough, um, which is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't think I they're, can't imagine. They're not yeah. like it'll be easy, but like they're like it's technically possible. You can try and do it. Um, you could basically you know just have a super sneak character, someone that has maybe like a longer disguise meter, and just kind of roll around that way. Um, or yeah, you could just be like fuck it and shoot everything. I'm not even gonna try. Get him, girl. Get I'm him. not either, but I, I do <laughs> like the idea of having a more like sneaky character. Yeah, I commend you. I just, I'm so bad at it. That is the pro- that is usually a problem. Yeah, you're like, oh, so someone choices. saw me, and then you just shoot everyone instead. Yeah, yeah that's that generally my self-based. my brand of stealth is just yeah. like ask questions later, shoot first. I try. Yeah. I get busted within the first two seconds, and then everyone dies. It's fine. So um, the thing that popped up on screen was not it, but it did remind me. And maybe we've already discussed these things before, but whatever. I'm going to re-explain this game to you. Um, also, when you're playing and as you continue to do things throughout the world, uh, the game will pop up random sort of anti-perks for you. I forget the specific name that they oh, call them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I have a gameplay of you that. You might not have footage of it, but the it looked similar to that Moon Man menu that was, that was up there for a second. And... So, for instance, if you've been taking a lot of damage from these lizardy manticore things, and then eventually the game might pop up a screen that's like, hey, now your character is maybe, like, afraid of lizards. <laughs> and if you want this perk, or, like, I wonder, I'm calling them anti-perks, but <laughs> there's a technical term for them in this game that I do not remember. Uh, but you can take this mm-hmm. um, flaw, basically, and then you will get a different perk that you can put into your your skill tree for your character. So mm-hmm. here we go. It's like you have, you know, it's a, it's a give and take. So it's, and it's a little bit interesting and can make you flesh out your character more, which I find pretty yes. fascinating. 
it. So I I brought the gameplay back up here for a second so that we can take a look at this perk system. Um, so I have some of the weapons here, but then I show you guys some of the attributes and like the skills. And so putting I put some points oh, in here. See, this is probably get turned on by this shit. Right oh here. yeah, give me this is <laughs> give me a good points tree any day of the week. Oh yeah, seriously. <laughs> so for people who are listening, um, they've got you know your standard um parent trees like defense, range, melee, dialogue, stealth, tech, and then of course the the sub. The subtrees oh. underneath that have a bunch of individual perks. Um, so, like, I'm buying this run and gun perk that gives me, like, a 25% boost um, for when I'm shooting from the hip, for example. And yep. then uh, you can get a companion cooldown, uh, like a 20% companion cooldown on their specials. So there's a whole bunch. There's two or there's three tiers um, that you can upgrade into over time. And I love being able to look at the perks farther down the skill tree. Yeah, totally. be like, oh, I'm going to be so badass later. Yeah, there's oh, yes. one. I think it's... <laughs> I think it's T1, so I think that they were kind about it. There's one perk on there that I think I saw um, that was basically like you can still fast travel while unencumbered or like while when you're weight, like when you're overweight. And I was like, that is the first perk I'm yes, getting in yep. this game so that I can hoard and then just fast travel back to someplace and sell everything. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I'm very excited. Well, listen, ladies, this has been a fun chat talking about the Outer Worlds. Um, you guys know we're excited about it. Hope you, Hopefully you are excited about it, too. Um, again, if you did listen to this segment, um, it might have been a little bit hard to follow what some of what we were saying. We do encourage you to head on over to YouTube.com slash What's Good Games and Subscribe. watch some of the gameplay that we were able to capture. This is my personal playthrough, by the way. Mm-hmm. You didn't record yours. No. No, yeah. she didn't. Yeah. Nah. She was like, I want no one to see my playthrough. Yeah, she I was just talking and shooting everything, but the enemy itself, that's what I do. Did but you I mean, walk into a town guns blazing? No, but I did shoot some people that I probably wasn't supposed to. And that then everyone right. got mad at you, and they were like, They did. Like, they were very happy with me. Because I know I'm not going to do that in my actual playthrough, but I was right. like, let's just see you what know, You may as well have some fun. It's very fun. liberating. Oh. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Well, we know that Brittany's an evil person now. It's basically what we're trying to say. Yeah, basically. All right, guys. That's it for this segment. We'll see you next time. I'm realizing now, after watching that video, at the top of the video, I said the outer world, and it's the outer worlds, because Brian, who we got to interview at the event, which BT Dubs, I mentioned this at the top of the show, and I'm going to mention it again. If you haven't listened to our interviews with the team at Obsidian Entertainment, please go to your favorite podcast app or source and check out our special episode on Obsidian Entertainment and the Outer Worlds, that there are going to be multiple planets that you can travel to in the Outer Worlds, which is super cool. So I can't I wonder, wait. I wonder if there's going to be a planet full of sissy pigs. I think that's the planet <laughs> we were already on. Now, like, just, like, what if the sissy pigs are imported bacon? Okay. No, no. I mean, I could oh see it gosh. more being, like, the sissy pigs broke out or, like, were smuggled to an off-world planet and then they just took over all of that. Like, that Ooh, makes Ooh, I like it. Sense. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Could, I could roll with that. Or is it oh. you just, like, the dumb thing where humans are like, oh, we're having this pest problem. Why don't we bring in this animal to come fix it? And then it, like, makes it way uh, worse. Yeah, yeah, that, that happens, too. Yeah. Yeah, humans we we dumb sometimes. I mean... Most of the time. But we did have a fun conversation with Brian uh, from the design team about the Sisty Pigs and about the humor and the comedy, it, not just in this game, but in all of Obsidian's games and properties and what it's like to work at the studio and if you have to be funny or not. And it's a really fun conversation. Um, Steimer kicked that off for us. So again, if you guys <laughs> want to check that out, that is uh, an interview you can only get in podcast form. So please do subscribe to What's Good Games on your favorite podcast app. And if you feel like, you know, 
maybe spending a few extra minutes to leave us a review wherever you listen to our show. That would help us out too. That would be great and excellent. And if you want to learn more about The Outer Worlds, I believe we will probably get the chance to see it again. I think they're coming to PAX West at the end of the month. Hmm. Hopefully. Maybe. Who knows? Well, I mean, the game's out in October. Gotta yeah. assume, right? Yeah. yeah. But before that, there's Gamescom. Oh, oh God. There's so much happening in the next couple of weeks, you guys. I can't deal. I'm moving. Ugh. One day at a time, baby girl. One yeah. day at a time. <laughs> One foot in front of the other. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much to tuning in to our episode of What's Good Games. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing from you guys about everything that you are playing right now. And um, don't forget, PAX is on the horizon Put it in your calendar. The What's Good Games Meet and Greet and Meetup Party is happening Friday, August 30th. We're streaming on Twitch on Sunday, September 1st for our panel at 7 p.m. Pacific time. We'll have the exact Twitch channel uh, from PAX once we get a little bit closer to the show. But uh, I'm just happy that we're going to be able to record it. But we'll upload it to the podcast channel, of course, the, the week after. But enough about that. It's summer. It's now August. OMG, we only got a couple weeks left before school starts and stuff. We don't have to worry about that. We don't go to school. Oh, that's right. We don't go to school anymore. That's the best news ever. We've been there, children. We understand the pain. Yep, it's true. Until next time, we love you guys. We'll see you later. Bye.